0: hey marcy yes did you know that under the Valley of the beast by cory barpy rudd and rika aoki has just come out
1: (gasps) i actually didn't know that um because we talked (laughs) to cory barpy rudd a couple weeks ago so check out that episode Yes. But yes, so that is out. Uh, let me not take over your exposition dump. Um, you Like, by all means, please, <laughs> give us more information about it. <laughs> <that, girl. laughs>
0: As you know, Under the Belly of the Beast is the brainchild of the After School and Dissonance Press, which is a program started by Raika Aoki and to give voices to different authors and have this communal writing space. And of course, if you want to know more about it, you can listen to our interview. And their first book out of it is called Under the Belly of the Beast, which focuses on looking at the idea of what we call beastly. So, mm,
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. And so we have episodes both discussing Under the Belly of the Beast specifically, as well as an interview with Corey Bradby Rudd. So please, by all means, feel free to check yes. that out for more information. It is finally out and so sickening. Also, I have other news. So, like we mentioned, more news, in the previous, right? I know we just have so many news. So, <laughs> if, like we mentioned in the last episode, we're doing a little promotion at the moment. Where if we reach twenty-five ratings and reviews, we'll actually be releasing episode zero of the Color Pages Book Club. Zero. So, this is before we had you know a Podbean. This is before she was on iTunes. <laughs> before she was on the Spotify. Girl, like we literally it was like bare bones as hell. But we were talking about um, a short story about Octavia Butler called Book of Martha. And it's like, yes. despite it being, you know, <laughs> modest quality, um, it is a great episode. So cute. by all means, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. Five stars, ideal, not mandatory. We just want to get to 25. And once we get to 25, we will be releasing that episode. And and obviously, it'll be a bonus episode. And so it will be released in conjunction with whatever. So it's not like, you know, we're going to release the episode and then two weeks later, you get the next one. It's gonna We're still going to be on our regular schedule, but we just release it whenever we get to that point. Yes. So yeah. You know what's crazy, Marcy? Yes. What?
0: I actually have more news. Oh my god. What's up? And well, just like I have more news, if you want more of us, oh, look at that. You can check us out. <laughs> you can check us out um, on Black Girls Create. We were in the December issue of their featured creators talking about ourselves, giving a little bit more insight, our dreams and our hopes. It's mm-hmm. cute. It's a cute little thing. Marcy is very articulate. I was so impressed with her. Oh my him. God. I was like, oh. Thank
1: you. Oh, likewise, girl. <laughs> yes. It's, it's very cute to check out if you want to sort of hear more about how we got started with the Color Pages Book Club and sort of like what our goals surrounding it are. I know we kind of talked about this at the very beginning of this show, but yeah, like it's just like, it's a really good way to just sort of see a little bit behind the scenes. And also the article is like just fucking gorgeous like the way they put it together was just amazing so definitely check out blackgirlscreate.org and you know check us out in the December issue as well as you know their other featured creators because there's just a lot of people doing really dope shit
0: yeah that's true y'all that's true and now for our regularly scheduled programming.
1: Yes. After we just completely were like, oh, so we're actually lit. Oh, so we actually have like hella shit going on. Oh, we're just like, <laughs> we're just those girls. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna just <laughs> transition now into our usual scheduled programming. But yes. Check out all those things. Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Uko.
2: Hi, this is Danny.
1: And this is Molly. <gasps> What? And welcome to the color yeah, I, just, <laughs> Welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a private yeah. podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds.
0: Yes, colorful backgrounds. And today, as you can tell, we have been joined by two very lovely people, Danny and Molly from mm-hmm. Black Chiclet.
1: Hello. Yay. Hi. <laughs> Oh, my God, Aka, we have friends. <laughs> this is so Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we are joined by Danny and Molly, and we're all going to be discussing part two of An Unkindness of Ghosts.
0: So we're very excited. Yes, Danny, yes. Molly, it's so nice to meet you guys. Thank you for joining us.
2: Oh, thank hey. you for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's nice to meet you, too. <laughs> this is our first crossover, I think. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, wait, are you, oh my God, are you serious? Time, yeah. The first time we've been oh. invited as guests. Somewhere.
1: I know. <laughs> oh my god! We're just oh hanging god, out, everything looking in
2: windows. Like, can we be on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so far, no takers.
1: <laughs> I love that you call it a but crossover episode already. I'm like, oh Ooh. the geekdom is Ooh. strong. I love Ooh. it. I love that. I love that. But I guess before we go into, you know, our usual sort of icebreaker question, would y'all mind just like introducing Black Chick Like, you yes. know, what is y'all's show? What is your platform? Like, yeah, we'd love to get the listeners hip to that.
3: Black Chick is a, it aspires to be a bi-monthly <laughs> podcast. Um, that, <laughs> it's getting there. That talks about oh, books written on. by Black women. Um, we cover all sorts of genres, all sorts of foolishness. Yes, foolishness too. Different genres, Mm -hmm. different types of books, different, not just fiction, but also we've done some nonfiction, done some short stories. Mm -hmm. So as long Mm -hmm. as it's written by Black women, we'll read and discuss it.
1: Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love Mm -hmm. it. Oh my God. I love that, I love that. And so also just... Full disclosure. So, when Akko and I were actually starting our podcast about what, like a year ago, we were, you know, sort of doing some, I guess, like you can call it maybe like market research. Yeah. Just like kind of looking into like other podcasts. We that, sound like, so professional. Have a similar pro- <laughs> like a right. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just hella professional. And so, we actually checked out some of y'all's episodes as we were getting started just to kind of like, yeah, just like see what other podcasts <laughs> oh, were doing God. and kind of like, you know, what the scene was like. If it was cute. Yes. It was cute. No, like, we really liked it. Yeah. Like, the, we I'm doing? not even saying that. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, Marcy, we were like, you were over we were like making like pasta in my kitchen <laughs> mm-hmm. yes and we were like this is good like they're fun we like them
1: <laughs> yeah uh-huh. like, I this was like it was like beloved or something but yeah it was like we were listening to an episode and we were like this is cute this yeah. is cute so the fact that we're like doing this episode with y'all like especially around our like one year anniversary true. is wild awesome. so just that's a awesome. quick fan yeah. moment yes okay so akka do you want to jump into our question of the week
0: Ah, oh, that's a good point guys before i go into the summary i usually ask a question based on sort of the theme of the book and an unkindness of ghost has a lot about power and hierarchies and that's kind of a running theme so i wanted to ask you guys and i've been thinking about it a lot why do you think power corrupts because everybody says it but what does it mean and why does it happen
2: that's a that's that's a a deep that's (laughs) a thinker (laughs) Who's trying to go first? Okay, so I am very much like a video game person. Like, I love playing video games.
1: Me too. I
2: see you. So, (laughs) since I've been on maternity leave, like, a lot of what they don't tell you is, like, baby is sleeping or sleeping on you, and you are just, like, sitting there trying to be as silent as possible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I've been trying to get into video games that I had no time for in the past. Mmm. And I've been mm. playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2.
0: Oh, okay. Which
2: you're like a cowboy, and you're going all around. And it's like the second you become, like you have the power to do things, I feel like I lost my mind. <laughs> like I'm just like what? the most horrible person because I can. It's like you mm-hmm. have the power, you have the ability. It's like, what can I get away with? What can I do? Even if it's like the slightest convenience to me. And maybe this is like way too much. We just met y'all. But I mm-hmm. feel like that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. It's like testing your limits. It's almost maybe it's a silly answer, but it's like because you can. Yeah. Huh. Because mm. you can do something, you do it. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking that vein. If you have the
3: ability to do anything, that's gonna include everything. And so you're gonna push it and you're gonna try it. And mm. I think it just sort of eventually does turn into you start pushing and trying things that are against what you 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 may typically hold as morals or
4: values. Mm.
1: Got you, got you. You
0: know what this makes me think of? The Sims. Because you know in the yes. Sims, is? yeah.
4: Because
0: yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we do wild. So you take a ladder out of the pool, you take away doors, you you just <laughs> So, yeah, we get real reckless and no one's surprised when you do it in a game. So if you mm-hmm. were right. in real life and you could do whatever without consequences. I think the lack of consequences is what mm. makes power really corrupt. Because if someone can punch you back in the face for something you do, you're just not going
4: to do it again. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So.
3: And you learn that lesson. That's why we right. we're dealing with the Ooh, political mess fast. we're dealing with now.
4: Right.
3: <laughs> no one's ever told someone, don't do that shit. So.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I think, too, something that like kind of makes that a huge issue as well is that like i don't know people just like really internalize power like they really identify with it like it like becomes who they are it's like their self-concept is like wrapped up in whatever power is given to them or that mm-hmm. they force from others and so i think when it's like it's not even just like you have power but like you are power Ooh. like you're like oh girl i'm i'm literally exempt from anything like i actually don't care That's because true. i can like get away with whatever and so yeah i think it's like that internalization especially when you look at like you know Dynamics is like cross, like race, gender, sexuality, like issues like that, and like just like how privilege is set up. I feel like power is like part of how people are socialized. And so it's just like, mm-hmm. it's hard for people to like divorce that from themselves sometimes. So mm. yeah, and I just feel like that lends itself to, uh, Mess for Mm -hmm. you know the rest of us, so that's true.
0: Oh, Marcy, that's a good point because I feel very entitled to breathing, you know what I mean? Like, I would say, (laughs) as a human, (laughs) I am allowed to breathe, and if you stop me, I should be able to, you know, stop you from stopping me. And if I identify as power, the second you say I can't do something, I'm like, uh, Power in me, we're buds, we're best friends, I am power, like, it makes sense.
1: Huh, mm, I like, and then that. it becomes like a like literally, how dare you like right. I this is mine, and you actually can't have any and I'm like, oh, but we we actually can all eat and, the, and people are like, nope, nope, we actually can't, like we actually like we actually <laughs> need to like subscribe to racism and all this other shit, and I'm just like, or we could just not not <laughs> we could just not, but here we are choosing to be like luster when we could be great, but it's fine, um. <laughs> Yeah. And obviously, I mean, girl, when t- ugh, talking about power, like there is so much to discuss in an unkindness of ghosts, because when I tell you, these people are just Ooh, they're just truly a mess. Me- it, it's yes. a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Yes. <laughs> but we will get into that. So if y'all don't have any other things to contribute, I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, Aqua and I are going to just do a really quick Plot Summary. And then after that, uh, we'll be joined by Danny and Molly again for our bigger discussion. And we're back. Yes. So... Danny and Molly are obviously lit as hell and we will be joining them again in the discussion part of that episode. But until then, we're actually going to be just, you know, doing our usual plot summary of part two of An Unkindness of Ghosts. And yeah, girl, it's, you know, uh, it's just a, it's a really interesting book of just like many thoughts <laughs> about this goddamn book. So we're just going to, yeah. you know, just jump to the plot summary. We'll try to save to the extent that we can our emotions uh, for the discussion portion with Danny and Molly. So, yes. yes. So I guess now where we start off in the second half of the book, which I believe is starting with chapter 14. Yes. We kind of get a little bit of a flashback sequence of, Giselle and Astra's childhood, they used to play, like, Whew. Oof girl, they used to play these really, like, heteronormative games of, like, house where, like, Astra would pretend to be, like, the husband and, like, Giselle was, like, the wife. And, like, it was just, I just,
0: it was, I mean, it was re- it... Um, I, It was just reinstilling abusive heteronormativity, that,
1: right? Like, yeah. the man
0: comes home, he's like, fix my dinner, and then, right. oh, no, and then there's, you know...
1: Domestic violence. More, yeah. and And, like, sexual assault, and it's just kind of yeah. like, they just played this as, like, a game, and then they used to have, like, theater shows where they would have, like, similar dynamics and i'm like who this is a mess but also i can understand that like this was an artistic outlet for them as children and they couldn't necessarily diagnose all the things that they were doing at the time
0: but it's also just the way that children internalize you know yeah. the, the things we show in our society
1: exactly especially on a place like motherfucking matilda so matilda. was not surprised when it's like oh yeah like domestic violence hella commonplace even for children anyway so yeah so that happened. Um, and then there's another flashback where Giselle was unfortunately sexually assaulted by an upper deck man and as a result um, was pregnant. And so I think this is when they were teens, um, maybe like 14, 15, something like that. And basically at the time, Ain't Smellusine wanted to, basically wanted like, to ask her to accompany her to have Giselle get an abortion. And so basically they like snuck it out in the middle of the night and they ended up going to, it was like M-Deck or somewhere, like somewhere mid-level to like talk to this I guess she was, like, the, so the person who was, like, organizing it, kind of, like, almost like a, I don't know what her role was, but she was just, like, she, like, somehow set up the situation with, like, them and the surgeon, and so basically that was how the surgeon and Aster met when the surgeon was, like, doing this abortion for Giselle. And so, like, you know, at first, like, you know, when Astra met the surgeon, she was like, I don't, I don't trust this motherfucker. He's upper deck. Like, these motherfuckers is, like, real. And which, which, fair. Fair. Girl, fair, I get it. Yeah. T- 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 Would have felt the same way. So, was like, girl, I'm unimpressed with this bitch, but whatever. Um, And so, you know, basically all this happens. They're doing all this, mind you, like, before the next roll call the next day. Or, or rather, I should say, the next head count. And so, all this is happening. Once the procedure's over, they end up all leaving. And, you know, they're kind of late getting back. And so, so again, it was, like, Aster, Giselle, and Nate Melusine. And so, Aster was just like, okay, girl, like, I'm going to have to, like, definitely do some kind of distraction to make sure y'all get back on time. And so, she ended up, like, pressing, like, the fire alarm or, like, something like that. And so, you know, these guards overtake her. They end up taking her to like, this, like, interrogation room. And I'm pretty sure, I think it was the lieutenant and the surgeon. I think it was those two who were in the... In the room. Um, But basically, they ended up interrogating Aster and being like, you know, why the fuck were you, like, out of your room? Like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And the surgeon was able to sort of, like, puppeteer the situation and like get the right. lieutenant to leave and then was like look astor i don't really know you from a can of pain but here's what you're gonna do here's what we're gonna do <laughs> at this point girl because honestly options limited so he was like look so here's how we're gonna lie here's what we're gonna say Like, let's rehearse it let's practice because yeah, right. you cannot be honest about what actually happened because girl so theo and astor like have this whole role-playing thing they ended up later talking to the lieutenant and explaining the situation. And, like, you know, the surgeon kind of jumped in when appropriate. But basically, they kind of, like, weaseled their way through the discussion. And Aster still ended up getting, I think it was, like, three or five days, like, in the break box, which is basically, like, solitary confinement. Yeah. But compared to what was going to happen, it was, like, kind of better. So that was, like, how they met. So here we are. Yes. At present. And so at this point, the lieutenant, like we mentioned in the last episode, is about to be crowned as sovereign now that the sovereign has died. The the previous one, I should say. And so basically, you know, Giselle was like, Oh, Astor Girl, like we have to like stop the shit. Like, girl, we gotta do something. And Astro was like, Oh girl, you right. And so th- like the plan was kind of unclear, but she was <laughs> like she was like trying to make like a poison, but they like didn't have time because they were like all on eating right. and they were trying to like crown this motherfucker immediately. So she was like, Oh girl, I ain't really got time. So she ran up to Theo's office. And like, it, like also, I like gagged. Like, she like got to Theo's office. She like opened the door, like, without like him noticing. Right. And he was like, Oh, like, what did I tell you about like opening the door, like, without like, you know, giving some kind of knock I mean, first?
0: She is in the middle of a surgery. Right. Though. Like,
1: Lulu <laughs> was in the middle of the surgery. And then the person who was like being, like, getting the surgery was like, Who the fuck? And then Astro like literally tranquilized that bitch, like, just on the spot. Like, just right. no fuck's given. I was like, Holy God. So Astro was, she was with the shits. So, Truly a
0: comic book character.
1: Exactly. So she was like, I actually don't have time for this. So I'm actually just going to tranquilize you. And I'm like, Um, <laughs> in, in no other place would that be acceptable. We're we're on Matilda, so clearly not the matters. So, anyways, right. so basically, so Aster and Theo are trying to like come up with a plan for what they're going to do at the crowning ceremony. Because essentially, they were kind of thinking like, like, okay, maybe we can like poison the lieutenant or something. But honestly, mm. they didn't really have time to really orchestrate something. Basically, they just wanted to have some kind of like to disrupt the process in some something. way yeah and so what ended up happening was that theo ended up giving aster this like very masculine makeover because basically he was like yeah like if you go because if we go together to this event and people re- like read you as a woman like it's gonna draw more attention than if they read you as a man and like it's just say like oh you're my assistant blah blah, blah. they won't really suspect anything and maybe in this disguise like you know the lieutenant who does not see it for aster not even one bit um not even a peep, right. honestly hopefully will be at least momentarily fooled
0: i was gonna say negative bits but i was like that's doesn't sound that sounds weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. It's fine. So basically, yeah, so Theo gives Aster this like this really sickening makeover, like cuts her hair, like gets her in this like dapper ass outfit. And like she's like, oh shit. And so she starts to go by Aston. And so there's like this really cute thing. And like honestly, okay, so So you know, I just you know, I'd be and stuff. So when Theo gave Aster the makeover and like, you know, she was kind of presenting in a more masculine way, like Theo was kinda of, like Give us some energy, like being hella right. blurry. Like, it was he was like, feeling it. Right. I was like, okay, this is like a like hella queer fantasy. Like, I'm here for it. Like, I was, I, I, and you know, everyone else was here for it. And so basically, yeah, so this is happening. And so they end up going to Edek. Along the way, they run into this bitch who's irrelevant as fuck. Anyway, so they make it to Edek, and you know, it's Matilda. So of course it's filled with all these like upper deck hoes who are like, I'm so lit and I have so much power and I'm rich. And I'm like <laughs> sickening. So it's like all these people who are just like annoying as shit. And so basically they were like all racist and terrible, and like Aston was asked, well, Astor, who's now going by Aston, was like, um, unimpressed with the hoes, but you know, what not you know, I'ma just let y'all be mediocre and that's none of my business. Right. So there's like this whole thing going on, and while they're at the event, they end up running into what's his name, Sergeant warner who was actually the same person that sexually assaulted Giselle back when we during right. that whole situation with where she had to get an abortion and so Aster sees him and like you know she's with theo at this point but she like was like i'm just gonna walk away like i'm not i gonna fuck with this and so Aster brought like a a gift quote-unquote for the lieutenant and she basically brought flick's foot from like chapter one so when she had to cut off flick's foot like she she kept her foot like in this like ice box and so basically she like put that in like I guess griff wrapping and like left it for the lieutenant along with this like really shady note that was like, hey girl, like I know you're gonna be sovereign girl, but like, you know, hoes are freezing. Um so maybe not. Like maybe use your right. power for good. And so I don't really know what the desired yeah. result of that was, but right. you know, it was done. Here we are. So anyway, so we're moving forward. And so at this point, they take a little bit of a break from the narrative to kind of go into a flashback with Ain't Melusine. So occasionally in the book, like, they'll just kind of shift points of view for, like, like a chapter. And so at this point, they're showing kind of, like, the backstory of, like, Ain't Melusine. And basically, she's kind of just, like, you're kind of getting more of, like, her internal dialogue. And she's kind of talking about how, like, for example, she... She's not really like a super parental person. She doesn't have necessarily a lot of maternal instincts. And so she ends up spending a lot of time nannying upper deck kids. And throughout this, we kind of find out that, like, we find out that Aunt Melusine is not only like not super into kids, but she's also like low key asexual and also Theo's mom. So, dun dun dun. right. So, like, huge plot twist. Anyway, yeah, so, so, yeah, she's Theo's mom, (laughs) and it's, like, this whole reveal, Um, and basically during the flashback, she's, like, taking care of this child who's, like, kind of sick, and it was, like, this whole subplot that honestly is, like, not really that relevant, but anyway, um, (laughs) fast-forwarding... Theo, basically the kid was sick and like the, like they called Theo and Theo was like girl it's a staff infection like relax and she was like oh you're right um anyway basically so the mom showed up at one point and was like oh girl like my baby and then like Aunt mellow was like oh you mean the same baby that like you barely take care of but oh that's not my business oh girl like oh oh my god anyway <laughs> and she's like yeah so I'm actually gonna like go to the library now to like get your baby like picture books and the mom was like oh yeah girl like great idea girl like yes girl it's <laughs> sickening and like Aunt mellow like yeah girl like leaving so she like leaves mind you she ain't She ain't trying to get nobody, no goddamn picture books. What she's really in the library for is because Aster asked her to get some book on, like, thermodynamics or something like that. Basically to, like, kind of help with this whole, like, loon situation. And so she goes to the library. The book is unfortunately checked out. However, it was checked out by someone named Seamus something or another. So file, save also mm-hmm. i misspoke so this actually wasn't a flashback it was just like it was a contemporary like display of events but basically we're kind of getting like, i
0: also thought it was a flashback yeah
1: so. <laughs> no it's all good yeah i, I kind of read it as a flashback but basically it's it's current day but it's like she's kind of just like i, I guess she's kind of like re- re- reminiscing throughout it so it kind of reads like a flashback right. but it's technically not so like in the flashback that's when she's like talking or like the flashback not flashback that's when she's like it's like oh i'm theo's mama and it's like oh my god anyway so basically uh what happened next oh yes so we're like pivoting a bit you know back to Aster. so at this point Aster is called to the lieutenant's office which is a surprise to no one because she literally left the foot of someone as a gift and that <laughs> is you know just i mean the lieutenant doesn't already, already, doesn't see already her girl, does not like so her. i mean it, it we all saw it again. right but basically, she talked to the lieutenant, and the lieutenant's like, accuses her of having like a sexual relationship with Theo. And she's like, girl, like, please be serious. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, girl, Theo, D- girl. Also, chill
0: girl. on it. Like, <laughs> right. Like,
1: can you relax? Like, can you, bitch, can you have a Coke? Like, you're doing a lot. And so, basically, she's like, oh, like, no, we're not fucking. He's like, oh, are you sure? And she was like, I don't... Even if we were, like, I feel like this tea is, like, too low deck for you. Like, I don't see why you're really that right. interested in this. But basically, she's like, oh, like, is there some kind of punishment that we am going to go through? And he was like, no, girl, like, you're fine. Like, nothing's going to happen. No, like, you're fine. But then he, like, compared her to, like, a moose. And I was like, I just don't... Like... <sighs> Like you know, like the people who are just like so shitty. They're just like, like, bro, you cannot be a person. Like I felt this way when I read right. now. Like I was like, the lieutenant is literally like, yo, girl, like who? Oh my god, this. Anyway. Jesus. So basically, yeah. So anyway, um, so that's a whole thing, and oh jesus so next the lieutenant is officially crowned and so at this point we see that in matilda especially in the lower decks shit just becomes a mess so like he enforces that everyone wears uniforms he changes like the food he makes it like way more bland like basically like people have to like walk in line it's just like way more strict like girl if you thought matilda was already strict girl it got like 800 times worse so at this point um you know this is like obviously like really making everyone really miserable. Giselle, in particular, is having a lot of, like, suicidal, like, ideations. And so, everyone's just kind of concerned for her. Aster, for example, like, tried to, like, make her botanarium, I guess her plant haven, like, suicide-proof. Like, she tried to, like, hide, like, you know, sharp objects and things of that nature. Just to, like, make, yeah, like she was really concerned for, like, Giselle's, like, well-being at this point. And so, this is all happening. Um, It's kind of, it's kind of like a transitionary period. And all of a sudden, everyone's called to the field decks. And uh. so... Aster's like, okay, I guess I'm going to go because, you know, I literally don't have a choice. And so they go to the field decks, and essentially we come... And so Theo's there randomly, and is like, oh, Aster, girl, we have to get the fuck out. Oh, my God, like, please, like, just, like, leave. Like, oh, my God. And this is the part where I was like, you know, Aster, I know you're really resolute as a main character, and I know that you're very, like, headstrong, but, like, maybe this is the, the time to be like, you know what, Theo, I don't know what you're talking about, but, like, maybe go. I'm going to take your... Like, let's just... Let's not. But, you know, she didn't and so basically what ended up happening was that the reason why they were called there was because they were actually doing a public execution of blick who was quote-unquote accused of insubordination and talking back to guards that's what they said and so obviously all of this is like a huge just like ploy to get back at Aster. like Aster's punishment was that this would happen and then she would kind of blame herself Interestingly enough, unfortunately, they did end up executing in front of everyone. Um, But the crowd, like, uproared. Like, they were like, no. Like, they, like, stormed the stage. And they ended up gassing everybody. And everyone, like, passed out. It was, like, a lot. So that happened. And obviously afterwards, um, you know, Flick is, like, just really, not Flick, sorry. Um, Aster is just, like, really upset. And, you know, she's just like, wow, like, I really cannot believe that this happened and then like they kind of go into like a flashback of how Aster how she spoke for the first time when she was 8 years old. And it was during this like kind of abusive incident where like Aunt Melusine like beat this girl named Nelly and like Aster told her to stop. Honestly, I don't really know why they started that flashback there but I think was... it was like to
0: show her trauma and like how I think it was from Aster's perspective and I think her thinking is a lot of times non-linear. Was my thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I think it was just like... Yeah, just like obviously the way trauma and memories are set up. Um, you know, just like things just kind of happen out of order. So I think even just having a milestone, like learning how to speak, be something that's laced with abuse is kind of like, okay, that's... Uh, like, Matilda fucking sucks, y'all. Girl, I'm trying to like... <laughs> Like I'm trying to like keep it light, and I'm trying to like you know move along, but it's just like Matilda's a heavy like, book. It's a terrible fucking place, and honestly, it's just like like there's a lot of details we could go into, but it's just like let's just let's just keep it in general. Let's just you know let's not make it too <laughs> depressing, I guess. Um, anyway, so basically, so that all happens, and so after Flick is killed, um, you know, Aster is understandably very traumatized and kind of goes into a reclusive state. Like she like withdraws completely socially. She's like not talking to anyone. She only spends time in her botanarium. Aunt Mellison at one point tries to, like, come and be like, hey, girl, like, people miss you. And she was like, I don't... Like, that actually has nothing to do with me. Like, I don't... Like, that's not of my concern. And so... Right. Aunt... I'm, I, I forget what exactly convinces her, but Aster eventually is like, okay, let me go back to QDAC. Like, I've been avoiding everyone. Let me just, like, go back. It's been a couple days. So she gets back and... Vivian, who's like kind of this like sub character like, um, like, and like, who stays truly, in her room, truly character, like kind of irrelevant. Um, who like stays in like Aster's room, like says some sh- like slick shit to her, like she like called her out her name and like. And when I tell right. you Aster, not only backhanded Vivian with so a quickness, quick. but also head butted her into a wall, and then just like just went and just fully just attacked the shit out of her. Like I was just like, that was um, that, that <laughs> was like I like. Like, I mean, like, I get how it's, like, okay, girl, don't don't be starting some shit if you ain't got hands. Like, if you ain't got hands, like, maybe not your lane. Like, maybe not. But, like, right. you know, Vivian came at her wild. And, you know, Aster was, like, actually, these hands are actually E for everybody. So <laughs> she just had to lay down an asshole real quick. And Vivian, Vivian, nor I, honestly, was prepared. I was, like, oh, shit. Like, Aster was, just, yeah. fuck.
0: And Aster's clearly going, going through it. Yeah, like, so, she's clearly having a hard time
1: it's a lot going on so basically um yeah so that happens and at this point like she also went to go see theo for a second and like they're having a lot of tension because theo kind of feels the need to like i guess protect her and like from what's going on and astra's like you know i don't necessarily need to be protected basically astra's just going through a really really hard time like her best friend's like in a really hard state of mind at the moment she's like suicidal she like just lost you know, one of her patients from, like, the very beginning of the book. She's, like, blaming herself for all of it. It's just a lot mm. is going on. She, like, couldn't stop the lieutenant from being crowned. It's just a lot of shitty things are happening. And so Aster is just internalizing literally all of it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't really get that much better. So then, It doesn't. <laughs> later... Theo calls Astor and wants to talk to her about something. So she sneaks into his class again as Aston, and you're like, oh, okay, hey. this is fun. And while she's there, she reads, okay, I thought this was a little bit too convenient, but she runs into this man <laughs> named Cassidy, was. who is Oh, Seamus' younger brother. And she's like, perfect. And so she's like, I need to talk to
1: Cassidy. And Seamus is the one who checked out the book from earlier. Yes. Yeah, emailing, to get, yeah.
0: Yes, good point, Marcy. Yeah. And so She's like, "Hey, Cassidy, you know, what's good?" And he's like, "Um, um, I, I, oh well, I say good sir, good ma'am." And then he slips up, and she's like, "Wait a second, you're not from the upper deck. Where are you really from?" Right. And he's like, oh, oh, "Whatever." Do you-. He's like sweating bullets. You know? <laughs> he's like, and "Okay, she's girl." Like, <laughs> right and he's like okay you're right like Seamus actually sold me his little brother's identity and like I'm actually not this person and she's like where is Seamus and he's like um um okay I'll tell you so he told <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even like she did anything she was just like can you tell me and he was like yeah I guess and I was like okay well yeah, it's like, it was
1: fairly easy yeah
0: not that hard but yeah. um so then Aster decides to meet with Seamus as Aston. And so she is like going to go meet him. And while she's there, she like runs it. Cause he works in this like waste water disposal area. Right. So she goes down there and while she's down there, like all these men are just like saying homophobic remarks and just, being awful,
1: like most people. Just (laughs) fucking terrible, because it's Matilda, and everyone's
0: just terrible. (laughs) Truly awful. And so they're being awful, and then she gets in a fight with this guy named Ty... Who he? She basically breaks his knees. And I was like, well, I guess another Tuesday. And so as she does that, Seamus rolls up and he's like, I knew it was you because, you know, your mother would have broken someone's kneecaps too. And I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, it's genetic. What? I don't Oh, sure. Whatever. Okay, girl. So
1: they
0: they start talking and Seamus is like, you know, like your mother made me believe in things. She made me believe we could have more than this world. And you're like, okay, that's very deep, Seamus. I'm very much approve of your... I don't know. You're again also very convenient that you know all this information, but right. to move the plot along, um, <laughs> that is necessary. <laughs> uh, sorry, we're just like being silly right now because the book is so serious. Bro, it's, it's a so, very oh my god, <laughs> yeah. It's a good. It's a great book. We're just. It's hard to like. You, she just broke someone's caps, guys. Like it, it can be a little hard, right? But um, so they're talking and they're kind of like hanging out, and then. Oh yeah, but then Ty's friends come for revenge. They're like, squat up, squat up. And so yep. they're about to come and attack her. And then, and then Seamus is like, just stay here and look serious. And she's like, ah, no, I'm uh, I'm gonna leave. So she like dips, which mm-hmm. I was like, asked for a good plan. So so she goes back to her bunk like area. Vivian is no longer there because Vivian dipped because she got hit in the face. And, <laughs> and he was just broken. <laughs>
1: Um. <laughs> and the way I'm sorry, the way the books, <laughs> the way the They're book really said like... that was hella shady. Like it was like, yeah, so Esther went back to her room where there was Giselle, Mabel, Pippi, and not Vivian because you know, everything right. She was on the the receiving end of an ass and she actually moved. So right. Yeah, the book is also shady
0: about Vivian and I was like, not that's, being
1: there. I was like, "Damn!" So no, no one's a Vivian's corner at this point. Okay, cool. Nah. Bet. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um,
0: so, <laughs> so then she comes back and she's reading the book, and basically what she figures out—get ready for the reveal—is mm-hmm. that she finds out that her mother. Actually was using like that moment where there was the blackout twenty five years ago to turn the ship around using um like relativity. I don't think this is accurate science because they go towards a black hole and they're gonna whip around the black hole. And I'm like, that would you would need a lot of power
1: to whip around the black hole. Literally whipping and nay naying in the opposite direction. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not sure one can nay nay. Out of a black hole, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. I can, what the, what the what physics Ken, says about that. But like that's your TED yeah, talk. Yeah. How <laughs> to <whip N-A-N-A. laughs> around a black like, hole? Like right around a black. It was it was the wildest shit. I was like, what?
0: I was like, you can do that around the like the Apollo thirteen. They did do that around the moon, right? But the gravitational pull of it, of a black hole is very high. People, exactly. not that this will be relevant to many people because we're not in space, right? Um, <laughs> so so, <laughs> so anyway, she's like, by George, I've got it. My mother like used that time to whip us around this black hole, and now we're actually headed back to Earth in a shorter time than when we left. And they're like, "How short?" And she was like, "It's been twenty five years." they're like, "Wait, so we're conveniently actually right next to Earth?" And they're like, "Yes." And I was like, "Okay, okay, sure, yes, yeah, that's, that's fine." Wait, I was okay, like we real, were
1: sorry. real yeah, quick. I, I didn't know if they had already turned back to Earth or if it was like that was her plan, but she didn't actually do it. Did, did they t- right. actually turn around?
0: yeah so that was the thing i also was unclear that when i first started reading it i was like no i think she already that's what she was saying like because loon thought they went around the black hole based on some shady science about relativity it would only take them a year to get back to earth oh. but actually her math was a little wrong and so it would take 25 years to get back to earth
1: that is so convenient
0: Yeah. I wish this part had been earlier in the story instead of coming all at the end. Because if like, if we had known earlier that Loon had turned the ship around, but they like didn't know how quickly and they thought like they had one year, they had 300 years. And then they learned now that they actually had already done it. And were now 25 years in. I think that would have been like, (gasps) but now it's like, huh? Yeah. Anyway, so oh, that's moving on. Not, that's not the plot. Anyway, so she's like, "This is crazy. We are almost to Earth, and that's important." And so then, <clears throat> <laughs> so we learn this big reveal, and then we have like a sweet little moment. But of course, like every moment that's sweet turns to tragedy. But uh, oh my the god, surgeon, <laughs> the surgeon and. Aster are like writing on this typewriter like trying to be cute with each other whatever whatever and then like is like I'm gonna stay here instead of going back downstairs to the book and oh, Theo's girl. not there either so I actually don't know why she stays and even she after it's over is like why did I stay here and we're like Aster if you don't know we don't know yeah. but it doesn't matter because Theo wakes her up and is like they're here and I'm so sorry but something bad is about to happen and so they take her from the office from theo's office and are like are you here with theo and she's like what the hell is happening and they basically just cut open her face and i was like okay she's in theo's office like why are we cutting people's faces open it is unnecessary but obviously oppressive forces aren't like reasonable and kind or even fair so correct so yeah, so then the lieutenant comes in and he's like, oh, "I'm the lieutenant," and you're like, "Lieutenant, literally, you could be doing anything else." Isn't there a swimming pool on the upper deck? Like, couldn't you be swimming? Or like Isn't ice skating, autumn? bitch? Like who?
1: Like I, like I know. Great. <laughs> <Right.
0: laughs> like girl there's what? so much you could be doing. And so he's like, say everything is your fault. Everything from Flick to Theo to everything is your fault. And there's some <laughs> stuff about God. What is that? What is irrelevant. his voice? <laughs> <laughs> and then Aster's like, no. And he's like, I've got a hammer. And he like takes the hammer. And like I, apparently upper deckers have a phony British accent in my mind. Anyway, so he smashes <laughs> her hand with a hammer. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus, this is like some fifth season stuff. Like, can we not? Oh, my God. So, then she's about to cut off her. She goes like back to the botanarium. And is about to cut off her own hand and just call it a day. But Theo convinces her to be like, come back to his office and she, he can like help fix her. And so he does some stuff with some needles and some ultrasounds. And then he puts her hand in a cast. Yeah. And then they have a little moment where they're like in love and like, you know, they're like having a moment hooking up. And I'm like, I personally think this is not the time or the space as uh, I have broken a limb and <laughs> I I, I, I just.
1: I just feel like fucking after your hand was smashed, like I just, right? Like, what did that interrupt the act of fucking? I don't know. I just felt like logistically, this just or timing. One thing that just I will say timing. is that they both kind of hinted to being like, I guess That's more true. sort of like non-binary, non-binary. Um, in terms yeah. of how they identify with their gender before they hooked yeah. up. So I was like, that was cute, but the actual yes. hooking up part, I was like, I feel again, I'm like, can we wait until you know? I don't know. I feel like Maybe. Matilda's going through a lot. Like. I, but, you know, maybe love is the answer, whatever um, so
0: i I don't know I've just have you ever broken a bow, Marcy? It's not It hurts for days. Oh I gosh. was like, oh, you wanna just sit and like eat ice cream and maybe put ice cream on the wound. You don't really want anyone <laughs> <can> <laughs> um very- but yeah, that's a that's that's a good point, like there is a moment in it that you realize like they for a moment get to just be really, really honest with each other about who they are and what they mean to each other, and it's very refreshing because. Life is so facetious, and there's so many facades, and Matilda specifically has so much ordering and not being able to be yourself that this, like, one little moment of, like, vulnerable, instinctive, like, honesty was refreshing, despite the uh, surrounding circumstances. So that was nice. So... Um, while they're having a nice time, Giselle isn't. So she goes to the area. Oh, God. And basically, well, we learn a lot more about her. So there's a POV change, and we learn more about Giselle and her kind of mindset and what she's been through. And I actually think it's a very insightful part of the book that could have come earlier, but that's neither here nor there. And she's like, I'm going to burn this whole place down. And so she does. And then she's like, hope I'm dead. And she's not, because... The surgeon saves her. And he's like, I probably shouldn't have saved you because the lieutenant's going to kill you as punishment for Aster. And I'm like, didn't they just cut off Aster's face and break her hand as punishment for Aster? Like, how many (laughs)
4: punishments (laughs) do we need? (laughs) No, that's so. I was like,
1: like, were those like the pre-punishments? Like, I'm confused. And also, like, Uh, burning the botanarium. I don't know. Like, does does the lieutenant really care about Aster's botanarium? Like, I don't think it's... Right. Is it that deep? Like, I mean... (laughs) I don't Seems know. Like, premium, I was like, you
0: would think that would be revenge for the lieutenant would be giving her a award because that would make, you know, Aster sad. But exactly. Fairly but, not. Uh, whatever. Right. So then, <laughs> so then DeSalle's up there and Aster's trying to save her and Aster, they're like, maybe Aster will be able to save me. And I'm like, Aster is zero for two on saving people right now. Like, try. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, no shade. Aster saves zero people. I mean, and that record is, like, is How not... could she? She doesn't have any power. Literally. certain <laughs> you save someone? Anyway. Sh-
1: so <sighs> Come on.
0: Then she's on the stage. Giselle's on the stage. and It's going to be a public hanging, kind of similar to Flick's situation, although I think more brutal. And then they're in the middle of trying to save Aster and the surgeon Theo have this plan where they're going to go on stage and they're going to fake kill Ast- uh, Giselle. And then that's going to allow them to take her off stage and then save her. Except like while they're on stage, like trying to fight the soldiers, Aster throws Giselle a knife so she can fight off the soldiers, and Giselle's like, you're not going to do me like this. Stabs herself and is like, I only go out the way I want to. Deuces, peace to you all. And I'm like, well, yeah. there we go, space cowboy. Yep. Uh, what can I say? Matilda is definitely too difficult to be on, so.
1: I mean, I honestly, do. like, it's funny. It's like, I feel like, I mean, the the way that suicide is depicted uh, obviously can range from text to text. But reading that, I was like, mm. honestly, Giselle, I get it like i this boat wasn't not... really surprised i was like yeah this yeah it was it just
0: highlights how bad the boat this oh my god i keep calling it a boat it's, it just highlights how <laughs> bad the ship is right where you have two impossible decisions live in agony or die in agony and it's just Oof. oh my god it's a very good like depiction of just how much oppression hurts to live in mm. so that was a good a good point um so then then astor I'm laughing because the next part of this book is very sped up, but here here it goes. Oh. So Astor's oh like, we're about to get on a shuttle plane and get out of Matilda because, I, I, I don't know, I guess there was a shuttle and they have one. I mean, they've been working on the shuttle bay, a couple of times during this book but she's like I'm going to take a shuttle I'm going to go down to Earth with Giselle's body and she does like a quick eulogy and then there's also a riot like everyone's like you killed Giselle and, and everyone's upset and now everyone's mobilized and attacking the lieutenant and order like chaos is basically broken loose and in that chaos Aster takes Giselle's body with the help of some I know, honestly, some side characters that you don't need to know about. Right. And they like get to the shuttle bay. And then she's like, Oh, here are my mom's bones. And I'm like, Wait, what? And she's like, Yep, that definitely thought my mom had like died somewhere else, but she actually died right here. And here are her bones. And I'm like, Okay, I can forgive a lot of things, guys, but what? Like, what do you
1: mean I, the bones are right here? Yeah. What? It, it just like, and like, also, I her had it like been in the shuttle bay before. So I'm right. like, How do we not. Also, um, I guess it bears mentioning. Oh yeah, Theo also like killed the lieutenant during the uprising. Oh. Yeah, so like <laughs> was, lieutenant's gone. It bears mentioning. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh well, I guess that's uh, long overdue. Right. But here we are. So.
0: Yes, Marcy yep. is correct. The lieutenant is dead. There is chaos. The bones have been found, which we weren't looking for them, but we have them. Yeah. So then Aster gets on the shuttle and they fly to Earth, and Theo's like, she's like. Theo like are you gonna come with me and he was like I'll follow you down and I was like how will you do
1: that Theo right. okay what are the fine. logistics Theo like do you have a plan <laughs> hun? like I don't There's like sweetie plan. like I don't okay you just you're just gonna meet like... me on earth okay sis <laughs> <laughs> like... right on a okay you've girl never
0: been to before or just gonna meet... all right so anyway they get to earth, <laughs> which I'm impressed by and yeah. I think Asta buries some her mother's bones and I'm still confused because I'm like, what are you all going to do now? Because it's been over a thousand years on Earth because of like the theory of relativity. So they've been going faster than time has been tra- has been turning on Earth. So it's real different now. Like all the crows are back. Whatever happened before, they're like, whatever it was, it's not happening anymore. I do think it's cool that like. Whatever happened on Matilda, like, is not coming to Earth, you know? And if it does happen somehow to get there,
1: mm-hmm. their
0: existence and the way they see the world is so different
1: from right. Matilda
0: that, like, maybe we'll just have, like, a new world. Like, you know, one that's mm. not so coded with the past. So that's the end, y'all.
1: That's honestly, like, what I kind of almost wished had happened. Like, I wish, like, mm. I don't know, like, Pippi and Mabel and Theo and, like, just basically everyone that was, like, lit, like, also went to Earth, so it was kind of like, okay, at least they can, like, start anew. I, I know that's like kind of like a strangely biblical sort of ending but i don't know i feel like
0: it's not biblical i mean when what five people came down what, what part of that is biblical five people came down from the oh, spaceship I mean,
1: and i was just thinking the, the idea of like i don't know like noah's ark and like the world's like destroyed and oh like, know, like, oh it's like you kind of just have to go back and <laughs> do something that else. makes sense i'm so sorry
0: uh, i was thinking adam and eve I was oh like, no 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 like no, no, adam no. And eve <laughs> no it wasn't adam
1: eve bran micah like it wasn't like uh, five motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. it was literally just them um uh, so I'm yeah sorry, like, you're right you're, yeah, you're just, right That's just in that point. sense but um but yeah, but like, I mean, I guess it's just Aster and hopefully Theo comes and yeah. Maybe he'll
0: get some other people and
1: or, or maybe, maybe this not. is the
0: end of humanity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which honestly, if this is what humanity is, if that's the end, I mean, right. honestly. worse things have happened. So uh,
0: so so so.
1: There is But that.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that uh-huh. is the end of our summary and when we come back, we will be talking to danny and molly again from black chick yes
1: so hype so hype yes we'll do that very very soon see y'all in a bit And we're back. Yes. So, like we promised, we are joined by Danny and Molly to discuss pretty much an unkindness of ghosts as a whole. I mean, some focus on part two, but yeah, we're just kind of here to like, you know, just have a true, like a true and blue book club discussion. So I'm thinking, I guess like to get us started, I'm thinking maybe we can just kind of go around and say like our overall thoughts and impressions of the book, if that works for everyone. And then from there, just like jump into other shit. Does that work with Mm -hmm. y'all? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So I guess since I prompted that, I should probably (laughs) go first. Um, So, okay. So this book was, oh my God. (laughs) So overall, I would say, I think it brought up a lot of interesting ethical concerns. I thought it was like the way it portrayed, you know, trauma and oppression and things like that were really very salient. Like as a reader, like I was kind of going through this book, like, Girl, I've never lived on Matilda. Luckily, I've never had to pay rent on mm. Matilda. When I tell you, this place <laughs> sounds goddamn terrible. I was like, I literally cannot even imagine being on this planet or, like, this, like, spaceship. Like, I feel like the the depictions of sort of, like, the, the grit and the suffering were mm. really spot on. But, like, almost, like, the other side of that same coin. I don't know. Some, sometimes for me, it's, like, I don't know. It, like, really weighed down on me. Like, there were certain parts where I was just like, oh, my God. Like the, Like, when, like... Aster's hand got like smashed by that hammer by the lieutenant. Like I literally was just like, bro, like I mm-hmm. like I like I was just trying to have a positive day like it's just like <laughs> you, see, you read this book and you're like, "Holy god, like, this is like it's a lot." And so I think it's one of those books where it's like sometimes, like just depending on your bandwidth, it might be kind of hard to get through for some people. Um, I know for me, I definitely had to like kind of put it down at points and just be like, you know what I'm going to do? Go outside, eat ice cream, pet a puppy, like, just not read this. But more than that, I thought that I, I liked Aster's character. I feel like from my own experience, I feel like like she was just very unique in a lot of ways, like very resolute, very... Like, unintentionally hilarious in many aspects. (laughs) And I don't know. I think it's, like, the the relationships between the characters were just so, they were just so complex in a lot of different ways. Because it's, like, for example, her relationship with Giselle. Like, it's, like, you know, obviously they're friends. But there is kind of, like, this cruelty, this almost, like, abusive dynamic that's in place as well. And I think in a lot of ways it really kind of shows how our circumstances, especially really oppressive ones, can, like lead to just yeah like more toxic relationships with those around us even people who aren't necessarily against us and Mm -hmm. so i feel like that depiction was was really interesting um but i guess that like my final thought is just like overall i while i enjoyed some of those nuances of the book i did sometimes i was kind of we kind of talked about this in part one but i was just like confused like it was like the culture of matilda was so heinous and i was just like why? Like, I'm like, like I felt like, I don't know, like like a lot of it, it was just like, it was very clear what it was like, but it was also just kind of like, I don't know, like I didn't understand why it was so hostile and aggressive, especially considering that it's like, I don't know, I feel like it's it's just like counterintuitive to like, be really shitty when you're like on a spaceship that you cannot leave with like yeah. all these people it's like clearly that's going to lead to an uprising so like why don't we just like at least be right, halfway chill. decent like we're on a right spaceship, like can we just like, <laughs> exactly like can we have a capri sun like relax Like, <laughs> can we have a capri sun? so it was just like too much <laughs> like yes yeah, so i feel like that was something that was just kind of like i don't know it was yeah it kind of brought up a lot for me but mm, you Wolver... can say that about the
3: united states though so Hell, but girl we're thing. not in
2: space Damn.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we kind of in space. Like, honestly, like you just that's zoom true. out a lot. It reflects, right? So, wait, maybe that's what Matilda. Oh my God, wait, I never maybe. Think about that. Maybe Matilda's just like this microcosm of Earth. <gasps>
0: dun, dun, dun.
1: But here's <laughs> the thing. Though. Okay, next person. <laughs> here's
0: all I'm saying though. To respond to that, like I- I'm like, but y'all, they could open a window real quick on Matilda, and it's the done deal. You know what I mean? Like I can't just uh-huh. spend like Earth it's I over, life. girl. Mm-hmm. So, but. But, Danny, Molly, what were your thoughts? Um, Go ahead,
2: Molly. Yeah, so, no, I I completely agree with you. And I don't know if that makes me, like, a nihilist. (laughs) But the whole time, I'm just kind of like, you know, we're in space. Like you said, just open a window and end it all. Because it's, (laughs) it it would be better than this. Like, I I got, like, kind of, like, the plantation vibes from this. Like, that unrelenting, like, cruelty. And it actually reminded me of Beloved. And it's kind of like what you're not going to yes. do to me <laughs> on the spaceship where like we right. are completely 100% like reliant upon one another. So the idea that like this like unrelenting like cruelty, I don't know, like I feel like I would be Giselle <laughs> in right. this situation. Oh, yeah. Like I Love just, Giselle. either that or I would just have to end it myself because it's like we're in space. I'm just gonna, you know, go out the airlock or try to fuck up the food or something because <laughs> right. this is not worth it like it's not worth because they're trying to find like another planet right and it's like right. it's not worth it to me to reproduce these systems on a brand new planet so i right. i know that's right right so i'd rather just mm-hmm. like end everything right here than let like this nonsense continue, continue. Mm-hmm. somewhere else mm-hmm. but again that's that's wild and out there. And if I was really <laughs> on that spaceship, maybe, like, self-preservation would kick in. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. well, like you said, at least I'm still breathing. So... Yeah. Right.
0: That's a good point in that, like, we were talking about in part one, how on earth did we get into 3,000 years in the future and there's still slavery? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, please, no. No, 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 no. Right. So, but, yeah. hmm
3: hmm I
2: think it's 300, right? I think oh, 300. you're right. It's 300. But... Yeah,
4: I don't
2: know the Matilda. She a mess.
4: Thank you, Danielle. She
1: mm. a mess. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> oh God! But yeah, Danny, what did what did you think?
3: So I was gonna begin by saying this is actually my second time reading this book, mm. and I will say the first time I read it. I was left with, like, a lot of confusion, too, about, like, just how things are run. There's a lot of science in this, why things happen the way they did, how things were connected. And I will say rereading it kind of helped bring things into focus. Um, okay. I've gained a really big appreciation for rereading books. Lately, I used to be a person who would read a book once, and it's like, well, I already read it. What else am I going to get out of it?
1: That's currently me. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> But lately I've been doing that and I've been getting a lot out of it. So I think what they were trying to do with this book, River Solomon, was um, trying to show it is basically a slave book. It's a slave book set in space. And I think all of those questions we asked about like, why do they have this cruelty? Why don't they fight back? You could, if you were an insensitive ass like Kanye West, say Mm -hmm. about, you know, like American slavery, because, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. American slaves in the South at the time outnumbered the rich white people who were enslaving them but because of the systems and the institutions that had been built and because it had been ingrained for th- however plus years this is the order of things this is we brainwashed you into thinking this is your purpose they didn't until you know they did but i do think yeah those are valid questions but i don't think they're things mm-hmm. we haven't seen like mm-hmm. in Before. history and in life mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: i totally agree Have you guys read a lot of, now what is this called? Like spaceship novel, generational spaceship. I forget what exactly what it's called, but this idea that it's like a genre or a type of science fiction where you have a spaceship and you have generations of people on this ship and it kind of talks about what happens. And it's exactly like you said, a microcosm of Society or an idea that's played out in the confines of a spaceship,
0: mm, and like it's a Battlestar Galactica kind exactly, of situation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I was thinking mm. Wally, so y'all are much more. <laughs> <laughs> or Wally? No, Wally is exactly, exactly it as well. Like my dad reads a lot of h- hard science fiction, and it's never been like my cup of tea. But mm-hmm. I did like seeing it kind of juxtaposed with this like plantation, like whores of slavery. Like mm-hmm. that is not a mashup right. that I think in a million years I could have come up with but i think it works really really well
4: mm-hmm. right
1: yeah and then i think it also it's interesting because i think it also kind of like imposes like an additional tragedy in the fact that yeah like this is so set like so it's set so far into the future and yet like there's still the reproduction of these same ideas and these same institutions so it's just like not only is this already tragic but i feel like often it's easy to sort of succumb to the idea that like oh you know in the future like things are just going to get better right like that's what Mm -hmm. happens through like a linear timeline but it's like that's not that hasn't been the case and it's not guaranteed to be the case right in the future and so it's just like yeah it's interesting though because um ako and i actually read tiger flu by larissa Lai a couple months ago and like i would say there were like some aspects similarities around the end yeah like about um sort of like a a more confined space, and like there was like a like a spaceship portion of the book where like it kind of has some interesting ideas. But yeah, I think that was like more so at the end. It wasn't necessarily the focus of the entire of the entire novel. But honestly, personally, I haven't. This is really probably one of the only books I've read that like have kind of been like this in in that sense. Hmm. Um,
0: I do agree that it does reflect the microcosm of America. I get that, or even the world, and yeah, like the Earth is a ball just flying through space (laughs) but also sometimes I'm just like okay but for slavery to happen it's not like there was a time before slavery and, and a time after slavery. Like there was an event that it, it, the movement of people from one place to another and that disorientation that allowed a power structure over time to oppress people. And when I was reading this book, I was like, okay, but how I, I wish they had told us how exactly this configuration started again, because if the <laughs> earth got destroyed, that's like chaos. How did these people get on top of it? Like how did, cause it's not just like, It's true, people by nature do terrible things, but the way the world is structured isn't just like a given. So I I wanted to know like, okay, but with the history of slavery because these people are humans it's not like there's some other race of people who have like never experienced this before and then we get into space and it's happening again i was like there has to be some reason like why this would in the 300 years in the future after whatever chaotic thing happened on earth restarted and i was just like the fact that it was just assumed to be the case seeing it as a metaphor i'm like okay that makes sense but seeing as a continuation that's what i was like i don't i wish there had been something to lay a a basis for this. Yeah, I
1: mean, it could you. be That makes sense.
2: kind of a response to classic science fiction tropes. Mm-hmm. So if you look back mm-hmm. at like a lot of like 50s, 60s science fiction, a lot of it is very hopeful and it's like this idea that science equals progress and time equals progress, but it's like progress for whom? So I mm-hmm. think of like things like really classic mm-hmm. science fiction like the time machine Where it's like this guy goes into the future and everyone who's good and pure is white and like has like little Dutch boy blonde hair styles and everyone like they're being terrorized by like these dark creatures from the earth and it's so horrible and they have to defeat them so they can live in this like brighter future. Hmm. So I'm thinking it's kind of like a play that this is just my reading of it. Like, a play on, like, that classic sci-fi. Like, they're going out, they're trying to make a better world for themselves, but because they've been kind of decontextualized from their own history, like American chattel slavery did to black people, they've unknowingly recreated kind of, like, these systems of oppression that happened in the past. So it's almost like a play on, like, those old hopefuls. Like, good for whom? not for us.
0: I see. Okay. Gotcha. That was my read on
2: it, Ooh, but again, I'm good, not Molly. See, girl, you talked about romance for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about some sci-fi tropes.
3: <laughs> I've been waiting. Molly excited. Well, cuz I had a theory, it's uh-huh. nowhere near as smart as that that just by sort of I cuz I have to go back to Wally again. I'm so
4: sorry.
2: No, Wally is good. Were you no, there good. when we watched Wally yeah. and we all we tried to watch um were you there in college when we tried to watch Wally and we all fell asleep? Because <laughs> it was warm out.
3: <laughs> I don't think so. Because I was going to say, in that one, humanity has, so it's basically just like, there's certain, I guess, just, I'm going to sound really down on all of us right now. There's certain just sins and flaws humanity has. You know, greed is one of them. And so sort of like in wall we're explored like the sloth and letting that ship do everything for it humanity sort of got less innovative, started to do less over time. Mm. It didn't happen. And they showed it with that progression with the captains. It wasn't like a switch. It was, they were out in space for so long and they were disconnected from earth and from why they had decided to leave in the first place that this gradual Mm -hmm. cultural change sort of shifted. They got lazier and lazier. And this is the, and now the ship's running everything. And I sort Mm -hmm. of took that with this, like America and us, we now have these racisms and these prejudices that we already have. And if you could see on a ship where resources are limited, who's probably leading that ship? A bunch of white people just because of biases we already have. As that grows and gets more and more extreme and more corrupted, you're going to see those divisions solidify and become more more rigid and more... Basically, it's just uh. the extreme of like the racism we're already dealing with. Mm-hmm. but I like Molly's reading better it sounds smart
2: no I think I think we're kind of <laughs> on the same path it's like it's an inevitability like this is part of human nature that we continue mm-hmm. to oppress people it's like your question about power like if power corrupts absolutely absolutely is the key it's always going to corrupt people and we're always yeah. going to fall back into these patterns no matter if we're here if we're in space if we're on the Wally ship which <laughs> by the way I would live on the Wally ship That's- I would <laughs>
4: You know, they look comfortable
2: the until
3: that that automated ship system tries to take over.
2: That's fine with me. Um, <laughs> Get me one of those little chairs. I'll watch TV and eat all day. That oh is fine God. with me. That you know, Wally has some problematic ideas. That ties into Pixar trying to force kids into getting used to work at Blockbuster or not Blockbuster, mm-hmm. uh, Best Buy all their lives. It's like go to work. You know, it's fine when you could just be chilling in space and watching TV all day. Who doesn't want that? But these are I'm sorry, guys, if you're not familiar with us, we get really off topic all the time. So I'm going to try no, that's really fine. hard not to go on the tantrums, but I'm just saying I would live on the Wally spaceship. I don't give a fuck.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I'm actually weak.
0: Um, I, but I guess I was going to say that I totally, I do see your point like when we go on autopilot like exactly we've we've had so much racism in our, society, in our society for so long that the idea that like we would go into autopilot not just for the ship but for our society would gradually just revert us back to mm. our bad behavior. Although mm-hmm. I still am like okay but as much as I think there are things that we innately do like wouldn't the power look different over time like I'm not surprised that people are oppressed I'm just surprised mm-hmm. that it's the same type of oppression although again when I think about it being an autopilot thing that makes sense but I was just like wouldn't some things be different like wouldn't we find another arbitrary thing mm-hmm. to oppress people
2: mm-hmm. about that's valid no so. I think you're I think you're absolutely correct and I think that that could be like a fun well quote-unquote fun An interesting kind of world (laughs) building, (laughs) like, exercise as a writer. It's like you think you're on this ship and the ship is going to have certain maybe biological effects on the human body. And Mm. how might they take those biological effects and recreate this system of oppression? Like, how would you... Mm -hmm do it if you were in charge if you were that powerful one how would you keep certain people on the bottom Ah. and certain people Mm.
0: on top i would love that i'd love to see how that interacts with a history of racism right like because it would then there'd be like old vestiges of something but then all of a sudden this new thing that sometimes trumps like how we used to do things but also sometimes that one trumps i wish i had seen more of that in the story
1: Hmm. Also, let's talk about Giselle. I, I feel like there are some <laughs> thoughts to be shared on her, especially like at the very end. Like that was just like that whole like 27th chapter. I was like, wow, we so much happened in like Wild. only a couple pages.
3: I'm gonna be up front and say I love Giselle. I yeah. stand Giselle. I love yeah. her as a character. She's a mess. Mm-hmm. She is yeah. hurting, she is doing a lot of damage, but I get mm-hmm. it, and I love her. I loved her dying yeah. words.
2: <laughs> She's like,
4: people was say so they
2: bad. want you to be happy. <laughs> you know that's not me.
1: Right. <laughs> I want you to be
2: miserable forever. I love right. that.
1: Exactly. She's like, I want you to blame yourself the whole time. And then, like, Aster's like, I will, girl. And
2: I was like, what the hell? Like, Aster really, <laughs> Aster was really, 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 really caught up behind this girl. I don't want to say Aster. But, you know, you said it very elegantly at the beginning how abuse is like trickled down through all our relationships but i wanted to take mm. her aside like this was a very bad like our relationships question it'd be like leave her girl mm-hmm. she's not good yeah. for you <laughs> she's
4: yeah not.
3: but i do appreciate that the book sort of says giselle is the way she is not just because of the abuse she suffered but she's actually mentally ill like if she hadn't been in this place with all this mm-hmm. abuse, she has psychoses and things that will never be treated mm. on this ship. So it's like a really dangerous comorbidity of PTSD and then whatever mm. else is going on.
0: Comorbidity no, is a that's great
4: word. So I don't know if yeah.
1: it's a real one. <laughs> I, I don't know it. if it's a real one. It that is, that is a real one. It is a real one. <laughs> no, I no, I absolutely agree with that. And yeah, that's something that I really like I kinda of wish that Giselle's chapter was a little bit earlier in the book, just mm-hmm. to kind of give mm-hmm. her like we could kinda of just like see into her mind a little bit more. Cause yeah, like I totally agree. It's just like like they're like, I mean, I can't even like imagine the type of shit that people have like gone through on this ship, especially like everyone in Q deck. And so it's just like Giselle, like like her character just makes sense. It's like she can yeah. like do terrible shit, but it's like I it's like I get it. And it's like I don't know, and it's funny because it's like Again, outside of Matilda, I feel like I would look at someone like Giselle and just be way more critical. But I feel like there's just something about and I I kinda of felt the same way with Ain't Melusine as well. It's like Both of them have some abusive characteristics, but at the same time, it's like, it's like I almost, like, not give it a pass, but it's like I'm more willing to sort of, like, look past it or, like, kind of give them that extra context because of how, like, extra Matilda is and, like, how awful it is. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I feel like outside of it, I'd be, like, like 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 I mean I get it. Like you know, cycles of abuse, like that term exists for a reason, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. these things often like multiply and continue and like there's like it is something that like typically continues unless, you know, intervened upon. And it's like but in this book it's just like I guess like there's just a certain grit that's depicted in Matilda that I'm kind of like, okay, this all kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm, like like yeah. for a place like this to even operate like violence to this degree is just like commonplace mm-hmm. and like honestly expected and it's just like there's almost, like, this cultural teaching around that that I feel like is, is an interesting sort of way that they're depicted. But, yeah, it's just, like, Giselle, it's, like, it's, like, she's hurting, but she, like, does terrible shit, but it's, like, I get it. But mm-hmm. I'm just, like, oh, my God. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I
3: think not every character is going to be strong in that situation. I think that's why I like Giselle. It's, like, Aster is a very strong character. She found a way to sort of survive, and she's resilient and she, to a point, and she can... She's found ways to like have some escape. She's got her, they made up a word. It's it's a botanarium. Her Mm, armor. Yeah. She has Mm -hmm. ways where she can escape. I don't think Giselle has that except for fire. Like that's her escape. Mm. And that's why we get this result. And she even sort of says to herself, she doesn't know why she hurts people. She just knows that she enjoys it. And Mm. it's probably all she has. She's a very tragic character. That's true. Yeah. Also
0: no, just so thinking about the access that Aster has that Giselle doesn't have like mm-hmm. oh I
1: was just about to say
0: <laughs> like, like Aster gets to go be a doctor and I mean again Aster's life isn't good either no one's life no. is good on this boat ship <clears throat> cough um, but
1: <laughs> come on cough but um, <laughs>
0: But, yeah, Aster has way more ability to get around and do things and even have this makeover that allows her to identify more specifically with how she identifies. And Giselle just doesn't have that access. She doesn't have access to Theo. She doesn't have passes. Um, Mm -hmm. And even the way Mm -hmm. she describes, like, Auntie liked you more than me. And I think in these situations, too, like, part of the tragedy is that you even even in those situations people have more agency than others or as you were saying like people have escapes or their mental capacity allows them a strength that it doesn't allow other people so i was like dang giselle i fe-. also i was real mad when she had the gun and she left and then Astrid was like come back and i was like don't come back giselle stay where you are i was like Astra, don't make her come right. back down here
4: so
1: Yeah, and it's Mm -hmm. funny you say that, because I'm even thinking about, because, you know, I was trying to think of other characters who sort of, like, have a similar, like, I guess, upbringing as Giselle, and, you know, I was thinking about even, like, Mabel and, like, Pippi's relationship. It's, like, even though they're going through it, and I'm sure they've also been through a bunch of things, it's, like, they have each other, and it's just, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's, like, there's not necessarily that, like, obvious protective factor that Giselle has in her life. And so it's just, like, it's also interesting just kind of, Looking at, like, how, yeah, like, these different protective, like, social factors, like, can, yeah, like, I guess afford us a a, sort of, like, a resiliency or an ability to sort of, like, navigate a situation like this versus, you know, when people just absolutely don't have much at all. It's like, I mean, granted, yes, like, Giselle has Aster but, you know, there is, like, some jealousy there, you know, with how she, like, spends her time with Theo and, like, all of that. And Mm -hmm. so it's just like, it's like, yeah, Giselle just doesn't have that. Thing like, I feel like she doesn't necessarily have that thing that like occupies her time. Like, even Ma bell for example, she's like part of like the radio. Like, it's like people mm-hmm. just like have those things, and it's like it just seems like Giselle is just like she forced got to go through exactly right? like, at the, it's the just... end. She
2: uses like literally the only thing she has like her rage, her body, and
1: fire, and it has this huge effect, mm-hmm. exactly. No, she's she's yeah. definitely an
2: interesting character, yeah, yeah. You
3: were going to talk about Aunt Museline, and I liked her, too. Cause, so I read this book twice, and I forgot some things. <laughs> Namely, I forgot she was the surgeon's mother. I completely forgot that mm, plot line. Yep. <laughs> and that was wild.
1: How do you feel about that?
3: Wild. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I still i am like... She admits she's not a maternal person. She feels sad that he doesn't know her as... Like, he addresses her as just another woman. He doesn't realize she's her mother. But she doesn't feel that upset over not raising him. I, that's the impression I got. She mm-hmm. admits she's not a maternal person. And then I think it kind of feels like it's a self-protective kind of thing. Like, I'm telling myself I don't want this. Because she knew having kids that she couldn't protect them.
2: Yeah. I mean, I so, right. full disclosure, guys. Like, you asked us. I think a while ago, like what book we wanted to read, and we might have said this book because it fit in with the books that you read, and also we had read it before. Fair. (laughs) So um, we read it maybe closer to when it came out, and then we kind of read it for a refresh. If I'm hearing you correctly, Danielle, you read it kind of to refresh your memory more recently?
3: (laughs) We never did an episode on it. Yeah,
2: we didn't do it. We just happened to read it on our own. (laughs) um got you and let me tell you like i had a baby in between reading the two readings and it hits way different it's oh, like what you said danielle mm-hmm. about like this having to close off that piece of yourself because you know like that's the best for your child like that was difficult way more difficult to read this time around than mm-hmm. it was before
0: uh that gotcha. makes sense i can see that mm-hmm. yeah and
2: it's just, mm. like, you just feel very raw. Right. And I think, yeah. like, she was trying to protect herself from those very raw, like, irrational feelings to say, like, I still have to survive here on this ship.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. right. And, and he still he has, has to survive.
2: He still has to survive, and he's going to have all this kind of access, like you guys said, all this kind of power that I can't provide him. So it's, like, I don't know, it's, like, this weird... Like, being pulled in two directions. Right. Like, cutting off those maternal instincts because ultimately it's the best thing. But, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe that's my reading. Maybe she just really didn't have those maternal instincts. And she was like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't as hard for her. But, yeah, reading it, like, as a new mother, I was like, ooh. (laughs) It's not a super
1: happy book. It no, Oh, no, <laughs> it is not. Like, I literally at one point was like, girl, we just need to read, like, Barney or something after <laughs> this. Like, I'm just, oh, my God, <laughs> just something with joy and right? simplicity. No, but that makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I mean, honestly, yeah, when I read it, I kind of took her word at face value. I was like, oh, like, maybe she just doesn't have these, like, parental instincts. But, like, I really like that reading as well. Because, yeah, even the fact that, like, the, I guess the lieutenant at the time had to step down because of this whole scandal like I'm pretty sure that was the thing that happened right yeah the sovereign there we Mm -hmm. go my bad yes so the sovereign had to like basically yeah stop being sovereign because of this whole scandal it's like it's like even if she did want to have a huge role in Theo's life obviously the way Matilda set up it's like she didn't necessarily have the social access and mobility to to do that and so it's kind of like it's easier to in some ways at least like try to cut your like you know any symptoms you have about that off just so it's like because it's like ultimately the reality is going to be the same Mm -hmm. it's just like how Mm -hmm. you approach it just has to change i guess right huh
3: did they know
4: that
1: that
3: his mother was because i thought he was light enough to pass and that's how he sort of gotten in did they know did everyone was it common knowledge i guess is what i'm asking that his mother was a low-decker that sounds like a slur. I feel bad. That sounded
2: like it had two or three Ks in it, Danielle. I know. <laughs> I wasn't Just that I'm concern.
1: not using that one again. LOL. Uh, um, honestly, okay, I don't think it was super common knowledge. My impression was that it was like, if you were like in the upper deck squad, right. it was, like, was kind of like, okay, like everyone kind of knew the T, but it was like the way he looked was, it was like ambiguous enough where people were like, they might give him, a, like, a second glance, but it wasn't like, right. oh, okay, something's up right here. I think it was just kind of like, oh, like, that's just Theo. And kind of Theo also just sort of had this, like, sort of majestic, almost angelic presence that people were just... I feel like they just kind of forgave a lot mm-hmm. about his character, like, and especially when it comes to, like, masculinity and, like, the way in which he was just, like... Like, I'm not sure if the book described him as effeminate, per se, but he just was very, like, he just didn't have these, like toxic masculine like tendencies and so people were right. you know would try him but i think the fact that he was a surgeon and like has such high status people were kind of like oh and the fact that he like i don't know he got some got some season into him like i mean yeah, whatever it's fine. <laughs> like, like it's fine <laughs> we're just gonna move on from that but yeah
3: he rejected a lot of aspects of masculinity right like that was sort of how they played with gender in the book mm-hmm. like almost yeah. like oh, it was yeah, a definitely. mirror image of aster's character
1: yeah exactly yeah Speaking of that, something I thought was so interesting, I mean I love I love like queer shit. But I loved for example when they were at the Lieutenant's I guess like coronation ceremony and like you know Aster was going as Aston had this like whole like masculine garb on and everything and like at one point like she had this fantasy that like she and Theo were like queer lovers and it was just like mm-hmm. this and even just like how like Theo interacted with like Aster when dressed as Aston versus like you know when she was sort of expressing herself typically like i was like i know, it was kind of flirty like i was like, okay. I was like yes. yeah <laughs> like i was like i mean i was i was so into it so i was just like i just love the way that it, like the way the book played with gender in that way and even for example like when they like when they like, when they, like had sex like like they both were kind of like yeah like this whole like binary shit like doesn't doesn't really work for us and i was like i just i mean live
2: y'all are in this.
1: space <laughs>
2: right Right. (laughs) so i don't know mini tangent reel me back danielle (laughs) have you seen (laughs) that show on mtv and it's like are you the one yes and it used to be they were always doing like heterosexual couples Uh, but now they're doing pansexual characters the premise is they get 24 so many young horny people together And they put them through some kind of algorithm where they found their perfect match in the house. And they have Uh to figure out who their perfect match in the house is. So they did several seasons where it was just guy-girl pairings. And then they did Mm -hmm. one season where it was all pansexual, whoever, you could be paired with anybody in the house. And a lot of the people on that show were saying it was the first time they were really in a situation where they didn't feel like they had to edit themselves or they didn't feel like they had to be careful of who
4: was Mm. watching oh interesting and
2: they could kind of be their self their full like sexual self i have this theory check out ice planet pod by danielle (laughs) that like people deep down are kind of freaks like, they're kind of freaky. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, honestly,
1: I see it. Right? Because, yeah,
2: I think that makes sense, actually. <laughs> and whatever freaky means to you, like, it could mean it's a whole spectrum of things that sure. it could mean. Right? So mm-hmm. if you feel like you're in a safe spot to totally be the freak that you are deep down, <laughs> like, you're going to have a good time. And that's what I saw when, like, Aster and Theo got together. Hmm.
4: Like, they were like, Yo.
2: I finally feel comfortable enough to go after what I really want and to be the kind of mm. person in a relationship, in a sexual relationship, in a romantic relationship, whatever they want to define that as. And mm-hmm. it's like, for me, again, being the sci-fi nerd, being the, <laughs> you know, it's like, why wouldn't you? You're in space. Anything right. goes. Have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Right. So I, I, I like that aspect of the book because it kind of felt like the type of science fiction that I want to see. Right. It's like we don't mm. have to be constrained, kind of like you were saying, by things that are happening here. Why not push the boundaries? Why not let us see what a brand new society or a society made from whole cloth could be?
0: Mm, could look like. Ooh.
2: But I very much was reading it. I was like, OK, guys. I like it. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's so interesting. You
2: know, I love the surgeon Aster stuff because I'm
3: romantic trash. The romance- so uh,
4: you're stop. just a romance
2: person. You've taught me so much reading all these romance books. I love it. All these people oh, sleeping with aliens. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna embarrass
3: me in front of I company. Like that.
2: That. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Like I've had a glass of wine sorry. and I'm in here hiding from, literally hiding from my baby. Ah. He's with his daddy right now, and I it's was like, say, I
3: feel like it should be easy to hide from an infant. Like <laughs> you can't really.
2: You would think that he never blinks. They don't tell you babies don't blink. Baby doesn't bl- what? They don't blink. <laughs> what do you mean they don't blink? What the what the fuck? <laughs> they blink. Like I counted once. He blinked twice in a minute oh girl. the rest of the time it was staring directly into my eyes you cannot hide from them <laughs> and they're looking into your soul like judging you he's like oh you're pouring yourself some more wine huh that's
1: fun
0: <laughs> you're like baby you have been here two weeks and you're judging me okay
1: <laughs> but honestly i mean i get it like being a baby like i mean i i, I mean obviously i don't remember it but i'm just like i can imagine <laughs> can you imagine being like bro what like it's just like you just like Like, just the overstimulation. Like, I'd be like, girl, why would I blink when I could just observe everything that's happening? There is just so much new shit. What the hell? What is happening? Right.
2: Right. He's just living his best life. That's what I just went on that tangent for. He's just enjoying himself. That's fine.
1: Uh, I love that. I love that. I I actually have a a kind of follow-up question to the are you the one situation. Mm -hmm. So, in the season, was it like most people sort of identified as pansexual or like kind of otherwise more sexually fluid or like what made it so that everyone kind of felt like oh yeah girl i can just do whatever
2: well first of all they were all extremely horny and drunk
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll God, that is mtv that, that is that and they're we'll just do it.
2: <laughs> they get this beautiful house it has a pool it's like just go nuts just enjoy have fun enjoy yourself i think i saw one or two episodes so my husband and my mom got really into the show again when you have a new baby it's a lot of just sitting around and watching tv while you mm-hmm. like hope baby sleeps for more than 15 <laughs> minutes and so they really got into the show and i was like i i can't i can't stand these people they make me so angry it's like a whole like universe like um what is the marvel thing like a cinematic universe it's a whole shared mm-hmm. universe across three or four shows mm.
0: Yeah, because don't they have, like, a Love Island thing? I don't know. Actually, maybe I'm mixing up my Bachelor and my Bachelor. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I think it's, like, the people from the real world and the challenge and Are You oh, The One. Oh, okay, okay.
1: What? Crostovers. That is a mess. It's,
2: it is so messy. And I have never liked it until the... Because I've always said, like, oh, this seems really weird. It seems to be, like reinforcing all these negative stereotypes Mm. like well this girl's blonde and she's from texas so she's gotta be with the blonde guy from texas so my understanding Mm. of this season is that they are all more fluid in their sexuality and their gender and that they seem more open to being with each other and having um different types of experiences
4: Mm. Mm.
2: so that kind of that just sounds Mm. it's messy. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm sure it's still a well, mess. You got a bunch but, of like,
2: corny people. Right?
1: So. Yeah, and that they, ain't messy. Right. Can you imagine? I love it because
2: it's proving, like, anyone, if any elk, can be super messy and drunk <laughs> in a hot tub. <laughs> Oh, my God.
0: The underlying factor is the hot tub. It's true. Right.
1: Right. Oh, my God. It's just, like, so funny because I feel like when I was growing up, like, uh, talk about tangents. I feel like growing up, like, I would watch shit like this on MTV, like, the real world or whatever, and I'd be like, oh, my God, like, when I'm grown, I'm about to be, like, in a hot tub, mm-hmm. like, you know, just <laughs> out here. And it's, like, I mean, I've had my moments of, like, shenanigans, but, like, I don't know, it's, like, a typically placid existence. Like, I'm not really out here just, like... <laughs> jumping right? in a jacuzzi every night with like some new, you know like it's just like i am like, be, like because
2: every time came, you've been in a hot tub it's like you've had to pay a price to get there
1: that's true exactly.
2: that's either right. that's it. you had to hang out with your weird friend right they are not
3: just drunk in a hot tub they're mm-hmm. drunk in a hot tub on tv oh which is that's
2: true too cameras oh, different yeah. level. that's true but you're not about to mess it up whatever you know you're having fun you're an adult you got to go to work oh. on monday Right. right, this is their job, you know. They're on television. Yeah.
0: Although Marcy, yeah. you're not yeah. that old. Like we could, <laughs> we could still get
1: messy. I mean, listen. Can I ask it's, how it's old you old guys truly are? It's not too late. <laughs> I'm 26. We're both Aww. 26, actually. Aww, oh, you're babies. we are babies. Oh my god! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Enjoy oh your mid twenties. <laughs> oh my- I feel like this is the weirdest part of my life to date. Quite frankly, like I don't know. I feel like when I was like. 23 24 i was just like young and fun right. and now i'm just like oh girl what who do i want to be like right. what, like what is the kind of life i want to lead i feel like i'm asking myself all these existential questions and i'm like that quarter i life feel crisis. like yes mm-hmm. right i was like i feel like it was easier when i was just like 20 fucking around and just getting drunk yep. and just not like when not nothing yet. mattered like yeah. I was just like just hanging out and now i'm just like wow i guess i should like you know reflect and Practice self care and right, I know, figure out what a 401 like, K is. Right. right, I was
0: like, <laughs> maybe I should drink right, like, eight, figure... eight glasses of water a day. Like, maybe I should. <laughs> it's all downhill.
2: Danielle and I are in our thirty. Mm. Well, at least I thirty,
3: and I was like, well, I did it, so I don't care anymore. I hit thirty, and right.
2: I stopped giving a fuck about anything. No, no, you I ran four like marathons.
4: What? I, mar-
3: I have not ran a single marathon. It's a 3 it's a 5K. No.
2: There's a
3: big difference between a marathon.
2: I don't care. You were exercising, girl. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. This is not Black Chick Lit. Please. Yeah. Please stay Not focused right, because is... we will get way <laughs> off topic.
1: No, y'all, it's totally fine. Y'all, are totally fine. This yeah, honestly, great. I mean, everyone does say that. Like, when once you hit thirty, it's like just the level of fucks just truly It, goes down. Right. it, it honestly,
3: truly does.
1: I, yeah, I'm like I'm excited because I'm, I'm I'm excited for that because I it feel like right like now. It's like
3: burden was lifted off my shoulders. I was like, who do I got to impress? That is children? <laughs> I don't Ooh. give a
2: damn. I don't care. <laughs> I don't have to know who Vios <laughs> is. It is. (laughs) No, because
0: I'm dead.
3: It's Saturday, and if I want to watch like if I want to watch a movie by myself and drink,
2: I'm doing that. I'm gonna stay home and watch Goofy movie again.
1: It's a great (laughs) Goofy movie. A good movie. It's it's truly fantastic. my my Um, red blend that I like.
0: Like we all know that like Goofy is black for some reason, right? Yes, we
1: we all know. (laughs) I don't know how we know. Just a fact. Goofy is black. Goofy is black so oh my god okay right. i'm glad we glad we reached that consensus. um also yeah so i so i guess real quick so circling back to to an unkindness of ghosts right real quick uh so something that i kind of wanted to like talk about a little bit was that like okay so i love i love aster i think she has you know she's very brave very strong like you know great nuanced character mm-hmm. but i did feel like sometimes like i don't know like the the way she went about like you know, overturning the system on oh, Matilda, which is kind of, like... <laughs> Nonsensical? and um, right, like, kind of, um, right. like kind of Sorry. Right. These are all great words. Like, kind of just brazen, a little impulsive. Uh, not a little, just a lot impulsive. And just, like... Yeah. I don't know. It was just one of those things where, I, like, I felt like in some ways... Okay, I'm not I, I'm not going to victim blame and say that it was Astor's fault that, like, she experienced violence. Obviously, there were people who, like, did violence things, like, to her mm-hmm. and people that she cared about. But I felt like there was a level of, I guess, strategy or, like... Yeah, just, like, intention that was missing sometimes in some of her actions. Um, And I guess I was just wondering, like... Like, I guess, like, when we talk about social movements and stuff like that, like, usually, like, there is kind of, like, a level of, like, st- strategy and, like, working within systems to, like, break them apart and things like that. But I just felt like heroes just kind of, like, just whatever, fuck it. Like, we're just going to, like, just go for it. Like, do you feel like mm-hmm. in a place like Matilda, there is a place for that? Like, that kind of strategic undoing? Or did you feel like sort of the way Aster went about it was kind of, like, given the culture of Matilda, like, it's, like, honestly, you just kind of have to be just unabashed it and just just go for it. How, how did y'all feel about that?
3: Well, that was the one critique I had about this book was the end where they're like, fuck it, we're setting fire to everything and burning this whole thing down felt kind of yep. rushed because it, it, it seemed yes. to come out of nowhere. All <laughs> Literally of a sudden <laughs> everyone has guns and suddenly we're able to communicate right. with all the other people on all the other decks. And we're I'm like, we could have done that in a more low-key, strategical way instead of like right. let's just blow everything up all at once. So that was my <laughs> one
4: <interesting. laughs>
3: So I'm with you on that. I think Aster as a person isn't very, I guess, subtle. Like she doesn't she codes as autistic, right? Like she mm, yeah. she, she doesn't I get I would say
1: so, yeah. Yeah.
3: She doesn't get rhetorical jokes. She's not subtle. Like if we say we're gonna have a revolution, she's gonna take that word to the literal definition and we're gonna have a full on revolution. And I think maybe that's just what happens when she's leading, when she's
2: in charge. Maybe. Right. I think yeah. we're supposed to see her as not lacking or deficient, but yeah. more so like she sees social interaction and kind of relationship management with other people mm-hmm. differently than we might code as what's normal.
4: Mm-hmm. So
2: for her to be gotcha. like the lead of this revolution, like she struggled. Right. Like she was very good with her plants she was great with medicine she was great one-on-one when she was feeling comfortable with theo but like mm-hmm. this overall structure mm-hmm. and trying to relate to people who were kind of like i don't know what's the word like neuro neurologically different and their executive functions were different and the way they organized right. their thoughts were different that's where she struggled
4: mm,
0: that's a good point and i think it's to what you're saying it's like you never know who's going to be the leader of something. And it's not always like, you know what I mean? If like someone told me to like lead anything, I'd be like, oh, you should have chosen somebody else. But it's like, well, sorry, it falls on you. You're the one with the access <laughs> to Theo and you're the one with the access to the lieutenant. Although... And so on the one hand, like, I understand that like people are imperfect. And so the people who lead change, mm. like the story of a chain, like I'm sure MLK, all these people, everyone who's ever led anything, I'm sure they've like, you're like, Ugh, well, if that person didn't have that flaw, that would have been better. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as much as I give credit to that, some points in this book, I'm like, this is just A rushed story we just need there's mm -hmm. a pacing issue we need pacing Mm. things could have been revealed earlier if you're going to have a random change in pov give us a warning or be consistent and also (laughs) also Mm -hmm. you really could have killed the lieutenant when you were over there helping him out i'm just saying theo brought you to the lieutenant and y'all had this medicine in this bag i was like you don't need strategy for that kill him Put them out well,
3: the sergeant accused her of it that's multiple times. Right. He's like, "Did you poison him?" Right. <laughs> and I was like, "Did you ask her? And if not, why not?" <laughs> <laughs> I think Giselle even asked her at one point, like, "Did you do it?" Like every once, like,
1: yeah. girl, did you do it? Everyone's <laughs> was like, "Bro, did Astor definitely killed the lieutenant. Like, obviously, <clears throat> like yes, <laughs> or the uh, the sovereign, I should say." Yeah, no, that's that's real. Yeah, the pacing was a little, yeah. I, I feel like yeah, like the the sudden revolution at the very end, it just seemed like. Like, you saw the tension brewing with, obviously, like, with Aster and Theo and, like, other characters, but I guess just, like, that bigger social, like, tension, I, I guess you didn't necessarily see it as much, or at, at the very least, I guess you kind of started to see it with Flick, like, when mm. Flick was killed, like, oh. everyone did kind of, like, rush the stage, and that kind of, like, brewed some of the the tension but I don't know it's just it felt like yeah like it's just like all of a sudden people just got hella buck and we're just like bucket we just gonna we just yeah. gonna win and I was like you oh my know, god like
2: <laughs> a crowd can turn so fast let me tell you That's
1: when real. I moved out yeah. here That's and
2: fun. the Lakers won some kind of sports ball game they set a cab <laughs> on fire in the street because they no, won. They, what? Because they won outside my apartment. They set a cab on fire. Oh, on fire.
1: No, did it. Are you serious? You crowds ice
2: cream. are yeah. unpredictable. That's true. That's <laughs> so maybe true. it's real, Listen, but maybe sports it's not. crowds, too. I don't know. Maybe narratively, it's not. Um, I don't want to say earned, but it, it doesn't kind of lead you there as well. Mm. Yeah. I think
3: it's just a combination of being too fast paced but also leaning into things that actually do have, like you can just snap and have a, that's true. Like look at Ferguson mm-hmm.
0: that happens sort of
3: like overnight. That's true. That was right. a organic thing. But I do think if it had been set up a little bit earlier in the book, it wouldn't feel so like we would be more inclined to believe that this was the, t- it all kind of exploded like a powder keg right. as opposed to just sort of being mm-hmm. slammed in at the end. I, mean, I wanted like that, that feeling like there was tension bubbling on the surface of right. this whole ship and that they were barely maintaining control. And then all of a sudden, And can I say that flick, I had read this book twice. I forgot about the flick scene. That broke my heart. I had to put the book down.
2: That was the first time I I put it down. I don't think I finished it until like six months later.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I was
2: like, I can't
1: do
2: it. uh, It was tough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder like, and maybe this is like a personal preference, but I feel like sometimes like, like scenes like that obviously add a layer of, like grits and sort of like the holy shit like this like culturally matilda is just like heinous but it's like i'm like are there other ways to do that like i'm just like did Flick have to die my god like i don't know it's just like and sometimes I, I i guess sometimes i wonder if the violence felt a bit too like gratuitous, like if it was just like like borderline excessive, mm-hmm. I guess to the extent that violence can be. I don't know. I, I think that's just like a threshold that everyone just has like different yeah. sort of mm-hmm. boundaries on. And I think for me, I was just like, God damn! Like I was like, Flick, like Flick was uh, <laughs> like, just a kid. Like I like I, like, like just like right, like just such a cute kid. And yeah. I thought like, okay, like you know, chapter one, maybe Flick will come back. Mm-hmm. And then Flick came back and was killed in front of everybody, and I was just like, mm-hmm. that's just I like I. D- like what? Wow. It gets you. Like, 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 yeah,
2: it's a good book, yeah. but it's like I don't, I don't want to go back, and I don't feel like you can recommend it without saying like this book is really going to get you in your feelings.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. That's that is perfect. Actually, yeah, I I feel the exact same way because I'm just like who I. There are elements. I, I feel like it can. I mean, obviously, case in point, us. Like, I, it can spark some interesting discussion, mm-hmm. but like, who just reading it? I'm like. I, I mean, make sure you're ready. Make sure right. you're seated. Yeah. You're hydrated. You got to sleep the night before. Like, just make sure you're, like, also, like, taking check, care of yourself. Check
0: the news. Because we were talking about this last time, Marcy. Because, well, or don't check the news when you read it. Because it's, like, sometimes it's heavier because you're, like, this actually isn't over in real life. <laughs> right. And right. I don't know if I want to do this today. Like,
2: no. Yeah. Would you tomorrow. say that? Because violence in media has never really bothered me. Mm. But I feel like in the last, mm. say, four years and one month, or three years and one month, when is 2016? It's, 2016, it's yeah. been a little bit harder, like in my mm-hmm. entertainment, like in my off time, to read things mm. that are excessively violent or bleak or, um, yeah. sad. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have felt the same way, but it's, it's been yeah. a lot harder.
1: I actually feel the exact same way. Like, I feel like, yeah, more recently it's just been like, yeah, like stuff like this is just like, it's like, I can appreciate it, but it's like, it has to be like spaced out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause I feel like, I guess a book is just way more immersive. And so it's just like, mm-hmm. even if you see something on the news, it's just like, okay, like that's terrible. But it's like, there's just something that's a bit more fleeting about it, but sitting down and like intentionally taking time to like dig into the depths of like how heinous humanity can be. I'm just like, oh my right. <laughs> The world's already kind of a hard place, place to be in. in. So I'm just like, this yeah. is just it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but sorry, what were you gonna say?
4: Well I
3: was just gonna say we had read reread Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Mm-hmm. And like I, we had both read it as like children, and then we reread it again. And it was like, I don't remember this book. That book was hard for me to finish, and that's a children's mm-hmm. book about mm-hmm. like racism. I was like, not only because I guess I'm an adult and I'm more sensitive to these things, but when I read this book like in elementary school, that was like what mid nineteen nineties we were in a different place as a country where it did feel like the Klan and all these things were a more distant threat, mm-hmm. and now it's like, oh, well, Nazis are back. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fun. So yeah, yeah. It's just, I've a been point. a lot more sensitive.
2: I might have told this story on that recording, but it was like. When I read it, I remember I was having, like, nightmares about, like, the clan coming to my house, like, what happens in the book.
1: Oh, my God.
2: And I feel like it was my mom or someone told me, like, oh, they're not really a thing anymore. Like, you don't have to worry. Like, it's different now. This was as a kid? As a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now as an mm-hmm. adult, it's like, you're seeing, like, this resurgence of, like, this old school racism.
4: Mm-hmm. And it's
2: yeah. like... I don't know. It just, again, it hits different. Like, reading this book Mm -hmm. now versus, I think this came out, what, 2017? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very recent, yeah.
2: Even in the last three years, like, so much has happened. Like, your perspective of the book, like, and how you come to the book makes it so much harder.
1: Right.
4: Mm, Yeah. I will say,
2: I think it's still sort of restrained. Like, I think it could have
3: been a lot more... Rivers could have really... Buckled down into the brutality of like mm, slavery that's and true. racism. That, yeah, I think it's pretty true. restrained when you compare it to some things like Beloved or I'm trying to think of some other. I don't. I guess I, it. I don't want to think
2: about yeah and things like that. Yeah. So
0: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Do
2: you typically find that like violent books like are, do you feel like it's harder to for you to absorb them like even outside of the cultural context that we're in now, or do you feel like you've been
1: able to kind of distance yourself from it. Oof, wow, that's a, <laughs> mm. Honestly, it honestly depends on the day. I Same. I think for me like so the day that I actually finished reading this, um it was about like a week ago. I don't know, it was already just like a weird day, and so I feel like I just internalized it way more than I typically would. I feel like usually I can kind of have like, you know, provide it like a little bit of like cognitive distance distance to like what it is that i'm reading like if i'm just reading something like just heinous i'm like okay like i can like assure myself like okay this is fictional i mean yes it's based on real life dynamics and like you know circumstances however like this is like a fictitious account but i feel like when i finished this book like that day i don't know i was just really reading it and i was like wow this is just it just like took me to a place where i was like oh i don't
4: mm-hmm.
1: i, I kind of mm-hmm. it's like i really absorbed that in a way where it's like it, it in some ways i'm like okay well it like, just show me like you know like, a lot of insights that I felt about the book, but at the same time, I was just, yeah, just, like, the emotional tax. Like, I was literally tired after reading it. Like, I, like, finished reading it and was like, I need to go to bed. Like, I was like, I just need to go to bed. Like, I can't. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm like, it's 8.30, but I'm just, like, I am just exhausted. So, yeah, I think it's just... And I think that's something that also, too, has become increasingly more difficult because I think that when I was younger, yeah, it was easier to kind of, like divorce myself from mm-hmm. these dynamics, but I guess now it's just like, I, I don't know if it's just like the current times that we're in or just getting older or like a, I'm sure it's like a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, but as my worldview changes and as I see myself as more of a, like someone who like is on the receiving end of a lot of these systems, it's like, it's, it's harder to just separate myself. Mm. It, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: a good point, Marcy. I think what got me, this book does a good job, unfortunately, of showing both the over-sexualization and dehumanization of black women. And Mm -hmm. I I was just like, you know, I am exhausted because I am not on a spaceship hurling through space. So why am I experiencing this? You know, it's so it's like, Mm. I don't, I'm like, I just, it makes you I think it's hard to swallow because you're just like this is the life <laughs> that we live I, I think sometimes maybe you're just like actually it's too close it's too close <laughs> earth and matilda mm-hmm. are too close <laughs> <Like,
2: Yeah. laughs> you no know, it's hard it's definitely hard Yeah, because it's like they say people never read books right so what are you doing you're reading a book in your free time
4: free
2: right. time when you could be relaxing
4: <laughs> and it's not right,
2: right? it's not to say you shouldn't engage with difficult materials but it's like it's harder and harder to to read this stuff when you feel like it's everywhere. Right. Like all the issues yeah. are everywhere all the time. Right. And it's harder to have the mental bandwidth for it. And then I wonder no, so real. I
0: wonder, like, I'm like, God, you know, because if you're white in a white society, I'm like you can read this book and then just like go upon your day. I did, the disconnect mm. is so much easier for you because you're like, well, mm-hmm. we're nothing like Matilda, and then I feel like we read it, and we're like, well, the whole world is like Matilda. Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like this is what happened. To, like,
1: right? So.
2: my family, not that long ago, or right. people I know mm. myself. So yeah, it's hard. It was a right. hard book.
1: Yeah, but I think you know the positive note is that like you know i I, especially having this podcast with akko like it's just it's nice to (laughs) shout out to akko um it's nice to have you know people to talk about things like this like i feel Mm -hmm. like for example if i was just reading this completely by myself i don't think i would have read it to the end quite frankly i feel like i'd have been like I'm done. (laughs) Like, I think I'm done. But like, knowing that like, you know, I can process with someone Mm. who, like, we'll understand each other as we're talking about the difficulties in reading this. It's kind of like, okay, like, it allows the exploration of the ideas that are brought up in a way that I know is going to be safe.
2: No, that's a great compliment, you know, for each other. and It shows like Mm -hmm. the bond you guys have as a co-host. Oh, thank Aww. you. How embarrassed. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so, yeah, right. I'm like, oh my God. Like, well, and now um, I
4: feel
3: because I was going to say because you had talked about reading it with white people. And I think that's why sometimes these books do get pop because they feel safe. It's a fictional setting. They can say, mm-hmm. yeah, we know this abuse this is bad. And it mm-hmm. allows them to, it forces people to deal with some of the brutality we deal with in a way where they don't feel. I, I hate the coddling, but in a way where they don't feel, like, attacked or blamed. Mm. Cough More, noise. You know what I mean? American gotcha. dirt
2: cough noise. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we got to do an I couldn't do, do episode it convincingly, so I just...
3: Yeah. We got to do an episode on that. <laughs> couldn't we got to do a convincing. chat. We got to chat about that, because that whole mess... But no, it, it mm. is true, Chile. like, letting us have the space. Yeah. I haven't been able to read Stamp from the beginning, because it's too true like it's Mm -hmm. it's not fiction i can't but i can read i can deal with even though it is really bad for some reason even just knowing well it's fiction it has some like space yeah some reprieve it's just me feeling Mm. guilty again for still not having finished stamp from the beginning (laughs) Gotcha.
1: (laughs) got you got you but that's
3: the book i've been avoiding (laughs) and like it's for the same reason i don't feel like dealing with it in this culture i didn't mind the violence in this book i thought again like because there's a lot of sexual assault in this book that doesn't get called that and when i don't think if you're like a young reader reading it i don't even think you'd pick up on that's what's happening Mm. honestly
1: probably not yeah or even when aster got really triggered when she was um working with all those men when she was trying to find what's his name Seamus. yeah Yeah, like i mm. like Shame it, yeah. Like I, thank you for, yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, been people's names and shit. Yes, when she struggle, was
3: to find, <laughs> shirtless, <Irishman>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But like, even yeah, like when she got triggered and like attacked. I think his name was Ty. Like she like broke his knee. Mm-hmm. Like I, like now reading that, I'm like, oh, I can really relate to this. Like this, like this, like reads very differently than if I read it when I was like. Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like I probably would have been like, mm-hmm. "Why is Aster? Like, what's you know?" Like I feel like I'd have been really confused. But now I'm like, "Oh no, this completely makes sense." Like I absolutely mm-hmm. get what's happening here psychologically. So, yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, this book whew, just blah yeah. blah. My god, yeah. But um, yes, I guess. Do y'all have any sort of final impressions about the book? Any final insights that y'all wanted to give before we wrap up?
3: I just think I love all the relationships between the characters because this book is. Chilling on a high note, this book is really depressing and it is really sad and violent, but I think the hope that exists exists between the characters. Like Mm -hmm. when Aster is doing kind things, like helping her Amy with her, with the cooking Mm -hmm. or helping her with her rheumatoid arthritis, and even Giselle, when Giselle has her moments of, you know, I don't know, kindness, I guess, and they play dolls and they put on plays and do all these things like those in her moments with the surgeon, like those were the moments that really were able to help me get through this book. It's just seeing, I'm all about relationships, seeing the relationships the characters (laughs) had with each other and how they work and how they help and depend each other, Mm.
1: depend on Mm. each other. Absolutely.
2: Um, I would say if you're all about relationships (laughs) with the romance, (laughs) then I'm all about um, world building with like, like the Mm sci-fi. And I really did like, i think my favorite parts are were describing like the ship itself and the ecosystem of the ship mm-hmm. and the different mm-hmm. jobs and how like the decks moved around and there were different languages from deck to deck and how like mm-hmm. baby worked and then the ending. Ooh, see. That was my right. least favorite part. Oh, really? I had no idea what was going. on I
3: could not <laughs> visualize those decks. I couldn't figure out like when they got on that one scene where they get on the decks and it turns. Oh, I love like,
1: that I... Part. Oh, girl, I was hella confused. <laughs> oh my god, I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. I had to reread it like three times. I was like, who, like what? But I
3: still don't understand how this shit. Like they're avert. I'm like I don't get it. Can I get a die? That for? is and so I'm funny because
2: like, <laughs> like all the stuff with like the dolls and the playing house. I was like, I get it, I get it. <laughs> 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 that's why we work danielle see exactly <laughs> see. Oh my
4: but yeah i i, I like
2: that i could have gone like whole hog into that i really enjoyed <laughs> it so and then again like mixing these two like different like um genres i just mm-hmm. i really liked and i'm trying to like gear myself up to read the deep but oh my god the the description sounds so Oof. depressing and i'm like i I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter where it's like either you're like a visual thinker or you're like a language thinker. But every mm-hmm. time I read the description of the deep, like I get these like really visceral images of like you said like what factually happened to our ancestors. And I'm like right. I don't know if I have the bandwidth right now to to like experience that to take mm-hmm. that in mm. that's river's next book right mm-hmm. about mermaids about the and they're like the descendants of um women who were who were thrown overboard on the transatlantic
1: oh my okay I, like, yeah. right I, like i will
2: amazing <laughs> idea i couldn't have conceptualized that can i read that shit right now Well, i have had like three hours of sleep and you know (laughs) nazis are marching with their tiki torches maybe not maybe i don't have the bandwidth but maybe one day i will
1: yeah no that's yeah i the earliest i would read that would be like 365 days from now (laughs) It just not 2020 like (laughs) i just just need to move forward a little bit yeah um but akko did you have any other thoughts uh, about the book
0: um i do i have other thoughts I I liked it. Uh, well, hold on. Let me not lie. She's uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> like, like when we catch myself.
3: I think
0: I agree that there are a lot of interesting concepts here that I really like. And actually, after talking to you guys, I'm like, okay, all right, I see it, and I get the Afrofuturism, and I like it, and I love Afrofuturism in general. But I was like, some parts of this book, I was like, I am confused about these plot points and i don't know where they're coming from and this ending i'm like well i this might be a tangent i have a thing about when people do lovey-dovey stuff when terrible things are about to happen <laughs> i'm like y'all now is not the time to fall in oh, love oh it's
3: always the time
1: <laughs> it's actually always the time always the time. <laughs> is so funny. There is from the romance reader <laughs> here we go <laughs> <laughs>
0: but and I did think the ending, I was like, Well now, Aster, you're on this planet by yourself and Theo Theo's like, I'm coming too and I'm like, Theo, is there a second ship? How are you gonna get there? <laughs> what are we doing? So yeah. Yeah. I really, really like the middle of this book and the concepts and the relationships. So I didn't let like the love, mm-hmm. but I love the relationships. <laughs> Compromise. Mm-hmm. But I did I did finish the book and was like, I have an issue with the pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. Cons- That's fair. Yeah.
3: That's and I had this so those same I really will say rereading it. Because if we had had this discussion after I read it the first time, I don't think I would like I wouldn't be as sure about how I feel mm. about it. Okay,
4: mm. so maybe I, mm-hmm. I think re- reading reading mm-hmm.
1: that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I and yeah, I guess to to conclude, I I definitely share a lot of the sentiments here. Yeah, I think the the relationships and the joy that they were able to experience, to you know whatever small extent that was, like was inspiring to see on Matilda. Um, and you know like the spirit of uprising, despite how harrowing the circumstances but yeah it was just it was hard it was hard but i do think like you know a lot of the books that we read it, it was a really good way to have some interesting discussions and mm-hmm. overall i i'm happy i re- well happy so i appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that i read this book albeit you know it, it it definitely at the very least showed me some i guess some of my confines as it relates to sort of my own bandwidth and taking care of myself as i like immerse myself into these worlds and stuff but overall like interesting discussions, interesting dynamics and True.
0: I yeah. do I have really liked talking to you guys about this book. I was like, this yeah, felt- this was fun. This oh was my God. Super I know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I've been getting educated on sci-fi and fantasy, so I'm really loving hearing all of you all saying. You, like, You're D.
2: all D. making D. good D. points. D. The dark what did I keep saying, like the our star of Molly is coming to eclipse your romance star I keep saying this because we read so much romance last year and I was like okay oh my gosh alright but we started strong with Urban Lit January which I love and mm. Daniel hates
3: I um, going, I like the mm. I, it's like what you were saying I love the
2: conversation I hate reading the book <laughs> <laughs> no it was so much fun you guys thank you so much for having us it was a lot of fun
1: absolutely absolutely how can our listeners get in touch with y'all
2: yeah we are very
3: strong and primarily on twitter (laughs) at black chick lit yes too much on twitter at black (laughs) chick lit Um, my personal one is danny d-a-n-i underscore Lacey Um, Mm l-a-c-e-y and then you can contact the podcast if you want to email us or find us on, on Apple Tunes, Apple
2: iTunes, <laughs> Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Whatever. Right, just type the mm. black chicklet. You can just yeah. yell mm. the name. You can put it in Google, you'll find us.
3: Yeah. SEO, okay. that's that's the secret behind our success. That's my theory. <laughs> oh. <it>
2: really <laughs> Wait, really? Well, because oh we God, have we we should... black and the name, and a lot of the lists are like, our list is too white. And books, yeah. SEO is your friend
1: and Zoom yeah. your friend. Oh, we should talk offline. <laughs> I I I'm like not even I'm like, not even messing around. Oh, Maggie put, put a in, yeah. about and this they got Daniel's name wrong.
4: Oh uh, like, no!
2: we were just here, <laughs> they did. you know, because we're we're kind of drunken fools, but you know, we we enjoy it. And hearing that you guys ate pasta and listened to us is like, so heartwarming. <laughs> that's, that's the
3: mm-hmm. best compliment of 2020. Like, here ex- we got someone else. Like, we were part of someone else's decision to joined the
2: podcast yeah, to or. talk about books because we can't talk about these books the same way you guys can you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's it's just such an honor to be on a different you know. podcast and to learn that you guys are out here talking books
1: yeah oh my gosh thank, thank you, you. <laughs> oh, yes. so this, this is like what i love about this i love just like meeting other people who have like interests in these things yes. and like have similar platforms it's it's, it's really inspiring and definitely like keeps us going. Also,
0: y'all's
2: dynamic is so cute.
1: (laughs) I'm like, so here for this right now. You guys are super cute.
2: I'm going to go back and listen. I listened to a couple of your episodes,
1: like when you first
2: asked us on, but literally Mm -hmm. I can't remember anything that happened before like early December of last year.
1: That's fair. (laughs) A lot was going on. Like
2: when my baby was born. It's like, I can tell you how many ounces he's had. I cannot tell you what my social security number is. Oh, God. But I did listen. She did
3: forget her own birthday. I did forget
2: my own birthday.
4: Oh my God.
2: But you Babies guys mess you up. Girl, <laughs> you guys, I remember like when you asked us, I listened and Danielle was like, um, well, I know maybe you can't do it, but I was like, no, I really want to do it because I remember listening to them and they were just so like, they just had such a good energy. So
1: yeah.
2: thank
4: oh you so god.
1: much for inviting us. Uh, yeah. oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm> like,
4: <laughs> I'm like, no, I like don't lost do this. control of my no, for No, I gotta
2: go um, pretend like I know <laughs> how to play football.
4: And,
3: <laughs> and so funny.
1: Oh my gosh! Yes. Yes, I they, I
2: am here
3: for any black and bookish podcast. So yes, because there's not that many of us. Yes, so we gotta be strong. They're
1: really so. are <laughs> exactly. Gotta support each other. Mm-hmm. But yes, well, thank you all so much again for our listeners, you know, for our usual spiel. If you want to send any comments about the episode, feel free to send us an email at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter at The Colored Pages, as well as a website at thesecoloredpages.com. Thank you all so much again. This was everything. Um, (laughs) Akko, do you think there's anything we need to leave our listeners with before we head out?
0: No, I think that's it. But until we see you guys again, just remember to stay
1: Stay colorful. colorful.